Traveling the Vortex. Join Alistair Gordon Lethbridge-Stewart as he fights Yeti and Great Intelligence in episode 236. I'm Keith. I'm Sean. Spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Glenn. How are you guys? I'm well. That's my line. You can okay. be well, too. You can't be well. I have to be well. I'm well. That's good. <laughs> I'm dandy. I'm jovial. I'm tired. Especially after watching the Home Improvement video <laughs> game. <laughs> uh, they came up with such ridiculous video games for the Super Nintendo. <laughs> Anything. Best system ever. <laughs> <laughs> I had one. That was the first system I had. Yeah, we're going to find that nowadays. Mm-hmm. Nowadays you've got, you know, Assassin's Creed and mm-hmm. Halo. And those were real games back Still then. very bad uh, media tie-in games. Like the Iron Man games. Not played any of those. <laughs> I played. I tried the first one. It was bad. It was really bad. It was bad. Flying. They, they didn't have flying right. How can you do an Iron Man game and not have the flying right? <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> do you guys have a good week? Yeah. Good weekend. The good fourth. Good fourth of July. Happy fourth of July, belated. Yes. That's good. We went and blew stuff up at my parents' house. So I saw your picture. It was always it fun. Like a lot of fun. Yeah. We went and blew stuff up with uh, Audie on uh, Saturday afternoon. He's old enough now to have his own punk and set stuff on fire. Oh, nice. We watched and other others. people set stuff on. And others. <laughs> he, he, he really likes the tanks. And then he likes setting up the tanks for new tanks to destroy them. <laughs> and then blowing up the tanks with firecrackers. And, uh, yeah. He's younger than Mason, and Mason doesn't want to light anything. He'll yeah. light, Mason will light smoke bombs, and that's it. He's getting pretty bold. He's uh, lighting some stuff and throwing it. Oh, wow. And at six. I don't know if, if it were my son, I would let him do that. But <laughs> I still don't feel comfortable lighting stuff and throwing it, and I'm 30. So what do I know? Uh, here's the deal. If it's going to explode, I'm not going to hold it. <laughs> <laughs> Even with a wick. There was one I had, I lit like this bee thing. Wick was this long. It was ridiculously, it was three inches for a bee this big, about an inch long. And I still didn't hold it. I still set it down. Just, I don't like holding Roman candles. I got in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> My mom said, of Roman candles. <laughs> my mom said, quit holding on to the Roman candles while you fire them in front of your kids. <laughs> so I don't let them hold the Roman candles. Says, I also don't want you to see <laughs> you lose a hand in front of your kids. <laughs> Mike lit, uh, started some Roman candles and held them the wrong direction at first. And they were pointed at us. <laughs> so luckily it went up. And then he was like, oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> And then they had these We know ones. nothing of that, do we, Glenn? No, no, nothing about that. They had these um, bee-like things, but they were on <laughs> helicopter plastic things. Oh, I've seen, yeah, I saw those yeah. this year. That they One took off and went directly at me. <laughs> were they called drones? I can't remember. We had no, a set that they were, were called, called drones, drones, and they, they looked like helicopters. Else, but they were, bee, they were animal-related. Ah. Yeah. We had the... This was, okay, we found the most ingenious... Ingenious firework. 
How many of you guys remember snakes? They still sell snakes. You remember I how can't see that. I, I remember. Yes. You remember how annoying it was to sit there and try to light that thing and keep it lit? That one single because snake. Because you, you can't do it with a punk. No. You oh, no. You, have to, use a you have to use a lighter, and you had to get down. And, of course, the lighter flame is flipping around this way, burning your burning thumb. Burning your thumb. And, and the lighter's getting hot yeah. and burning your thumb. Okay. So, and I mean, it was always a trade-off because once it caught, once it you got that little that. ring of fire that would go... Then you had the then it was decision time. Am I going to continue to hold this and make sure that it's actually done, yep. or do I pull away and hope for the best? And nine times out of ten, you pulled out away and it went out. And it went out. And, and then you had to do the whole thing all over again. again. So, my daughter, a very smart girl, she got tired of doing the individual ones. She would set all six of them in the pack <laughs> down there, light it on fire, get quite the flame, and it would just burn and make one big giant large large oh, snake. Yeah. And I thought, oh, yeah, you're brilliant. This An- another, another great way this to do is it is offering. a uh, <clears throat> flame stick. Well, flame that's stick. yeah, and yeah. she uses a flame stick, so it doesn't get hot. And, yeah. You know. Now, back in the well, day, back, we didn't back, have back those. in our day. We didn't <laughs> have no, 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 those. no. But, but, and so, matches. but that's only slightly better because <laughs> I didn't have a lighter. I had that's we only rub sticks together. <laughs> that's only slightly better snakes. because that way, every once in a while, will go out too, and you have to do down there yeah. relighting this. Okay, we found these little fireworks that they look. They're these little discs. Okay. And they're called something snake, spinning snake, spinning worms is what they're called. Huh. And you set it down, and it looks like something that's going to spin and shoot up in the air. Oh, no. <laughs> you set it down. It spins, kind of like a jumping jack or a blooming flower, and it makes really pretty sparkles. And then it stops, and this blowtorch thing comes out of the middle and goes, <laughs> and shoots straight up to the middle of it. And at first I'm thinking, well, this is a neat little gimmick you know and then, but the blowtorch that's just kind of weird <laughs> after the blowtorch stop guess what happened snake snake <laughs> it lights its own snake it was brilliant and it ran the whole time because the blowtorch fires gets enough of a flame going it's hot and then it sits and... there in flames at the bottom of the sulfur or whatever it is as it burns and and the snake I, that's it i'm done i can't invent an, a better firework now because that is the one right there it was genius so they did one friday that i don't i didn't see i assumed it was a snake but the packaging was a dog taking a squat <laughs> yeah Mason got one of those and, and does it produce a snake yes, yes. okay I, I figured that's what it was but yep, i wasn't sure that's what it does it poops out a snake yeah i saw one that i was really tempted to get Audi. But I thought it wouldn't end well for anybody. <laughs> I mean, these new ones. Important safety tip. Thanks, Egon. It's a sword. A fireworks sword that you light. I don't know what it does, if it's just sparklers or what. But I just, that, that, that cannot end good for anybody. <laughs> Maybe for the person wielding it, if they don't hurt themselves. But whoever they decide to attack with it, if they're a six-year-old boy, not going to end well. <laughs> because obviously, if you hand me a flaming sword, what is the first thing I'm going to do? You're going to spin it around. I'm going to spin it around yourself. and then yell, aha! <laughs> and charge after you. Or, or I'm going to sail, uh, you know, put it in and slide down the pirate flag and set the whole <laughs> ship on, on, on fire. My other new favorite firework, and it, it, was, it was just a lame fountain is all it is. Two lame fountains. But, oh, they were decent fountains. But, this was my favorite for the artwork. And you guys will be able to tell why I purchased these <laughs> as soon as you look at it. Oh, yeah. Who is that? <laughs> That's uh, Sleeping Beauty and... Prince Philip. Yeah, yeah Princess Aurora and Prince Philip. 
It's it's a dead ringer. It's a now rip there's off. no Disney on there. They've completely ripped that off. That's yeah, not a ringer. Right. But there are these little, and I'll post this on the uh, uh, page with this so you can actually look at them. But it's Princess Aurora, and it actually looks like they're on popsicle sticks. And it's a flat image of Princess Aurora, in which on Princess Aurora just simply says Princess, <laughs> and on Prince Philip it says Prince. Prince. And the ty- the name of this firework is. Wake me with a kiss. <laughs> and I went, that was bold. That's copyright infringement, but that was bold. I'm and surprised so Disney hasn't <laughs> waded into the fireworks oh, a lot. Well, yeah. I'm so, I, I was surprised not to see a lot of Star Wars fireworks or something. Yeah. That's, I'm now that they own it. Either. But anyway, so I bought that, and uh, I have some video of me doing that, which I'll try and get posted as well. Yeah. <laughs> Ever since I've been around, Audis really love the parachutes. Yeah, my especially kids the ones with the little guys. <laughs> Mike found one, fifteen bucks. Block three inches by three inches. It set off like forty parachutes. <laughs> wow. It was impressive. It just boom, 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 boom. Oh wow! It was all cork ones, but it was still pretty impressive. Oh, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. they come down. <laughs> well, yeah, we weren't able to find the little army men. Parachute guys. I don't see those anymore. You don't see yeah. the army yeah. anymore. I think so. they get stuck in trees too often. Yeah. Speaking of stuck in trees. Well, there's nothing like seeing a ignited fiery. <laughs> that's so patriotic to see your your paratrooper burning as they fall as to, they the, ground, fall to yeah. the ground. Yeah. I'm scared, Sarge. We're all scared, son. <laughs> um, the lanterns. Oh, the, those are supposed to be illegal in the city. The, the hot air balloon ones? The sky yeah, lanterns? They're, they're illegal. I don't know. Aerial It's my favorite new thing because you, you shake it out and it's just a, it's a paper bag. Yep. And you like the little paper and it goes, and you just hold it and you can feel the bag inflate. It slowly inflates and then it starts tugging because it's like, I'm ready. I'm ready. I want to go. I want to go. So we had a whole bunch of colored ones and set them all up and it was awesome. And they went up and hit a power line and hit a tree <laughs> and stopped. And I pulled out the camera and recorded and waited. <laughs> this tree's going, <laughs> yeah. And eventually it went, kept on going. Oh. And then it landed in some That's poor why farmer's they're illegal. field <laughs> outside of town. It landed in some poor farmer's field and their farm, ignited their field. Their field. So Hopefully that was a If your corn field. prices go up or your wheat fault. prices it's go it's up, you'll know why. If it makes you feel any better, we actually already got our comeuppance because the neighbors that were like two blocks over were shooting off really massively huge artillery shells. I mean, it's very pretty, but the big, big, big ones... And we got pelted with debris. <laughs> it was, we're sitting there going, <laughs> and it just started raining. <laughs> so, of course, what does everybody do? Everybody gets up and runs for the cover of the tree that we tried to light on fire. And poor Melissa's standing there with Aaron's kid because she's got him in her, and she's like, I can't go anywhere. So she's got a lantern still in package up over her head. <laughs> We have my niece. Yes, yes, hide beneath kindling. <laughs> my niece is, is uh, staying with my mom and dad because her mom and brother are actually in Chicago this weekend for the um, Grateful Dead uh, three-day Fairly Well uh, Festival. And so she was with us last night while we were doing fireworks. And her mom must have felt guilty for leaving her here because she bought her a <laughs> boatload of fireworks. And and she you bought her these. Were they not as cheap this year? She, yeah, they were more expensive. I noticed that they've gone up. Well, part of that's because we're paying more sales tax since. Well, July that's true. 1st, yeah. But, um, but I noticed even the prices were higher this year. So 
Which maybe because they don't, they figure the sales bracket tax into the price, maybe. Maybe. But that would have been a quick turnaround. Although they knew it was coming. So, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so we got my niece, and she's ten, I think. And her mom had bought these big mortar shell things for her to do. <laughs> and I was like, I told my dad, I'm not going to let her do those by herself. And he said, well, no, 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 I, I, no, no we, we shouldn't. And so I said, well, I'll help her out. So she's let everything else off that she had got on her own. We helped her out. She shared a lot, which How was kind of fun because we didn't buy a lot, 10. Oh. And so we go out there and I think she never, she, she's a sweet gal and she never really acted like she was upset that I was helping her. But you could kind of tell she just had that, oh, you know, I can do it myself type attitude, but I was always out there, like and I'd put the to, things yeah. in there, and I'd let her light them. She'd lit them, and then we'd run. And <laughs> But there was this – we got about halfway through the second mortar set, and this one shot up in the air, exploded. It was gorgeous, and we were both standing there watching it, and we were probably about four feet from the mortar shell. <laughs> and we were watching this thing, and I see this – Big, bright, burning something coming straight <laughs> down at us. And I'm trying to reckon what it is. And I'm like, okay, that's fallout. And it's still on fire quite a bit. And it's coming. Oh, it's not going to hit me. And I look down and I go, oh, it's going to hit her. And I grab her and pull her just as it hits the spot where Jeez. she was standing. And she turned around looked at me. And she looked back down. And we went out to light the next one. And she goes, Uncle Glenn, thank you for helping me do these. <laughs> Okay, justified. <laughs> some of them are getting kind of dangerous. There was yeah. some mic lit up. We, there were two pretty much just rockets. It just went up and boom, and then came down as a whole piece. <laughs> and the ones that look like the plastic Flash Gordon rocket? That, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah those are... Who invented I don't buy, that? I don't buy those anymore. They're so impact. dangerous. Yeah. yeah. I, don't I don't think they knew... Either. This was the first time I'd seen them, so I don't think Mike knew what they were when he bought them. Uh, I like pretty. I've said this before. Oh, me too. I, I enjoy... Me too. Oh, yeah. You know, visual displays. Mel's brothers are all into, hey, let's set off dynamite. <laughs> and it, it's not, it's not fun it's to not me. Fun. It's not fun. And even the blowing other stuff up. Both Mel and I came home with like crick necks because we're jerked and, you know, mm-hmm. when, when that explosion, and it's, there's no other word for it, just bang. It's just a really, really, really loud bang. And they're all like, uh, it was a quarter stick. I was like, I don't care. <laughs> See you next year. Not? I'm not coming. <laughs> we did have a near misfire mortar. It got about, luckily, her and I both were quite a ways back because we, we, we'd get quite a, you know, just as far back as we thought was safe enough. But we had one, <laughs> we had a similar thing happen. And we were much closer last time it happened to us. But You know you're in trouble when they come out of the tube and go, because normally it's, Foom, and then pop. And when they go, Foom, <laughs> keep running. Go, go, go stop. Go, go. Just keep running. I'm sure we've told that story on the podcast before where we were all sitting on the porch and we were doing it and it was less than 10 feet from us. And they were all going high in the air. We weren't worried about it until the one went, Whoa. Well, we had one of those go, Whoa. And I knew exactly, I knew that sound from memory. And I went, Oh, no. But we were far enough back that I saw it go, I mean, it literally only went up about four feet, not even four feet out of the tube before oh, wow. it went off. And it shot shrapnel everywhere, but we, we didn't get hit. But <laughs> Those are the pretty ones. I just had, I did have <laughs> a flashback. Roll low to the horizon. <laughs> I did have a flashback of Wade running clear down the street. <laughs> 
for back big, then Wade was bigger than you and for me. For a big man, he moved and man, fast. he was he was halfway down the road. We were we were way out in the country, and he'd ran halfway down the country road. I think he was in the next county <laughs> before the show exploded, which was the impressive part. Like we were, of course, you know, ducking and covering, and you he know, was gone. throwing ourselves on top of other people, and you know, got up and what is that all the way over there? <laughs> yeah, because the, the the other seven of us dove on the porch. Reasonable response. <laughs> <laughs> he must have thought it tipped over. I don't know what he thought. <laughs> he just knew he wasn't going to be anywhere near it when it went off. You know that scene in the movie? I lit it, so I was closest to everybody. That scene in the movie where Item is falling this way, and somebody insinuates that they're going to run all the way along the length of it in order to they, they run sideways. They run all the way. It was like that, but fast. <laughs> he picked a direction and... <laughs> And other than we that, didn't get we... to see a lot of night works. Apparently, they don't do them in Boonville. <laughs> oh, were you in Boonville? We went for, to Boonville uh, uh, Saturday night. Uh, you saw the uh, all those fireworks stands you passed on the way to Boonville. Well, they, they don't want to stop. They don't want to spook the Clydesdales. Well, actually, from where our hotel was, the farm is about eight miles outside of town. Oh. So it's it's a it's a ways out there, but it's this. We went to Boonesville to go to Warren Springs Ranch to the Clydesdale Farm. If you didn't see my Facebook pictures, but Boonesville itself is a cute little town, pretty much on the Missouri River. So I was kind of surprised they didn't have a fireworks show above the Missouri River. How's that? <laughs> this only helps in relation to us. But how far is that from uh, Kansas City? One hundred miles. Oh, that's not that's one hundred and three miles oh, to the exit. One hundred and eleven. Yeah. Oh, well, the, the way two, my dad drives, it's a little longer getting there. <laughs> <laughs> about, about two and a half hours. I was, I was very grateful uh, when well, he three, drove, which I appreciate. Almost three. Close to three. I, I was very grateful that he drove, and I appreciated it. But Fast, I was, how slow are you driving when you go? It's, it's 75 on a highway. It's about two and a half, I guess. Yeah, two and a half. Yeah, when my dad drove the first well, it was three. with your dad driving it's three. Yeah, yeah, well, because he, I was just pleased on the way back. He took the turnpike. Normally, he refuses. So we left his house, went up forty, and then up uh, four thirty-five all the way the back way through Lawrence and all the way to Kansas oh, City, Lord. and then hit. <laughs> and we stopped. He once. doesn't want to pay the buck twenty-five. <laughs> we the, brought our K tag. <laughs> It's a principal thing. I think he was just so tired on the way back, he didn't care. Well, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll give him. I'll give At him the start this. of a trip, it's okay because you, you want to see some you, countryside. Yeah, you, you like see some roads you don't normally see. I agree. And normally, in principle, he won't pay the toll because <laughs> he he pays for these roads out of his taxes. So he wants to. And he, they like seeing the they like seeing the country view and seeing animals along the roads. And you don't get you don't get that on the turnpike. I agree. There's a, there's a certain amount of that too. That from the standpoint that you know the turnpike I was gone over there and done it myself. Sorry, it was supposed to have been paid for a long time ago. Oh yeah, absolutely. And uh, they keep finding ways to, to uh, let me there. let me dive. He had no problem driving on 70 in Missouri. <laughs> let me divert from your story real quick just to talk about the turnpike just briefly because here's my impression of the turnpike. When I first moved up here, I hated the turnpike. It was stupid. And I, but I thought, you know what? For eight years, we're going to have this road, and they're going to continue to work on it. And that's what the turnpike freeze are going towards. So make sure we have this road that is continually upgraded, continually worked on, continually a good road. And they're still doing road. that. <laughs> and so but then eight years was up, and I went, okay, they're going to get rid of those tolls. And they decided that we're just going to extend that indefinitely. 
I thought, come on, seriously, we're still paying this toll. You guys have to admit that is the best road in Kansas. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That road is, and I'll tell you and what, it's the quickest route to Kansas City. Now that, it's the it's the best way to get anywhere elsewhere. Absolutely, and and no matter the fact that, and now that they've offered the K tag system, and you can well, pay and, monthly, you can pay and out now of the, your. The, now the K tag system is free. Yeah, because they had it yeah, before. You don't you have to, to buy. Yeah, yeah, you don't have to pay for the. Well, you have to pay for the travel, but you don't have to pay for yeah, the device. You don't have anymore. to pay the device because there was a decent. I will continue to that. pay for that road as long as they continue to keep it. And even when they construct on that road and they do it down to one lane. It's not bad. It's not bad at all. No. You still can get around that construction relatively easy. And they don't do huge, long, giant 17-mile, 20-mile, 40-mile <laughs> chunks at a time yeah. like they do on the rest of the interstate. They do little sections so you're not in construction for very long. So I have changed my tune as far as the turnpike I, goes. I didn't, I, I I didn't used to fact. like the turnpike, but I don't mind it now. Yeah. Also helps that Sarah's dad pays for the K tag. So <laughs> anyway, <laughs> but Bo- I don't have Bo- it in my car; it's only in her car. Boonville, Boonville, yeah, it was a really cute little town. Of course, nothing was open. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's the Fourth of July. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they do have a really nice Walmart. Actually, uh, we stopped and we ended up eat, getting there about six. Checked into our hotel and then went and found food downtown. You and went up on Saturday and came back Sunday? Yeah, okay. went up Saturday and came back Sunday. Uh, found this nice little pizza place called Bredo Pizza. Really good stuff. Um, and then Sounds like French pizza. It wasn't. <laughs> okay. it, was, it made you think it was French pizza. Because it's probably spelled D-O-U-E-X or whatever. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, but yeah, really nice little town. Then uh, we went down Saturday night because... Our tour was 10 a.m. Sunday morning, and we didn't – I specifically didn't want to get up at 5 or 6 o'clock in the morning to drive all the way there. didn't think the tour would be as fun for everybody if we were all so tired. Yeah. So I actually paid for my dad's hotel room, so that was a fair trade-off. He'd drive, pay for gas, and i pay for the hotel room. Uh, but we, then we went to Boonville uh, to Warm Springs Ranch, a gorgeous ranch. Um you drive in, you, you get kind of, you go in and there's a person at the gate. Okay, is your name on the list for the tour? Okay, come on in. And we just did the cheap tour. There's a multi-hundred dollar tour that you can do where you go into the paddocks and among the, I, I don't know what all you do. It's, it's for like 12 people, I think it's $500. So you get enough people, it's decent, right. but you have to get that many people in Boonville. Missouri, which that's a long travel anyways. But you you get in there, you drive in, and you pull up along this sidewalk, and there's this huge, or this driveway, and there's the huge barn that you can see from the highway, not from 70, but from the highway. And you pull up, and there's this big W. And... <laughs> Talking about this big W. Big, big w. It's a big W, I tell you. <laughs> well, apparently... <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of years ago, they uh, the St. Louis plant took down their old sign and distributed it and put up an LED sign. So this is the original W at the St. Louis plant. Oh, they gave, from the word Budweiser. From the word Let's Budweiser. fill in our uh, <laughs> For domestic our listeners probably can figure that out. Foreign yes. listeners, maybe not. Yeah, from the word Budweiser. And then there were just... A bunch of Clydesdales up by the fence where we had to stop and wait. So everybody got out and took pictures and petted them, and they were really friendly. And then you went up and you did 
went through the gift shop at first and then did the tour. Wait, what? You through the gift shop? Did you get that? Through the enter, gift shop? Through first. the gift shop. Well, wow. you exit that way, too. Oh, so. all right. So it's still exit. <laughs> Which the gift it's a shop. really, I, I kind of expected a bigger gift shop. It was a really small, uh, probably a little wider than Sean's DVD shelf. That's it? That's it. It was a small What is that? Bookshelf. Seven, eight feet? Ten. Right, yeah, ten it's, across? It, it was maybe 12 feet wide. Wow. Ten across, ten tall. But then the, you go in huh. and you watch a little Clay, uh, by Budweiser Clydesdale video. one by video. one bookshelf? Mm-hmm. Oh, me there. Sorry. <laughs> and then you, they take you on a tour of the ranch where you start in the area where they conceive the horses. Because all Clydesdale... I've started at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> All Clydesdale horses are bred at this ranch. There are no other Budweiser Clydesdales bred elsewhere. There are 40 mares at the f- at the f- ranch at any time and 10 stallions usually. And uh, I don't know if you guys have seen Clydesdales in person. They're huge. Yeah. I actually saw them at the Budweiser St. Uh, Louis, Louis plant yeah. Yeah, or uh, brewery. <laughs> Some of the horses that were about a year old were bigger than the horses we rode in Mexico. <laughs> That's how big these horses are. Uh, the gestational period for one, 11 months. Comes out three feet tall, 150 pounds. Oh, wow. And at max, 30-minute birth. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So, But they go through the entire process, and it's very uh, strategic and... They plan out who's going to mate with who, and they don't inseminate any horse. It's all natural, oh, wow. which was kind of interesting to me also. And so then you go and you do that, and then you go see where the expectant mothers are or would be. There weren't any there. And then you go see the stallions, and you kind of work your way in a big circle around. You see the big trailers that they t- take them in. And then you get to where the the, fo- the foals are. And there were three Clydesdales that were under three months old. Oh, one was just barely a month old. Oh, wow. And that was the one, if you, I don't know if you saw pictures, that were, and wound up laying completely down flat in, the, in its little pen area. And then you got a couple of beers, and, or a beer, and then take pictures with one of the horses, and then do the gift shop, and then you were done. It's oh, about an hour, hour and a half ex- whole experience. Totally huh. worth it. And it, you make it up there, it's a $10 ticket for the tour. What? Got, you just got to book it in advance because it gets so what? booked up. Yeah, the, the main tour that I took wow. was $10. Wow. That's a lot for 10 bucks. Yeah, that's a really good... The beer included? The beer included. Holy cow. Of course, it's probably going to cup this Well, beer. it was maybe a... Oh, that's a, that's, a, that's and, a... And, uh, and there's, a new, there's a new way they... Solo cup. Yeah, about... The, 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 the regular size yeah. solo cups, not the big ones. I've seen I've seen bars charge much like oh, yeah. 3 bucks for that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah well, ate, ate at a concert. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then they had two different kinds of tenant party at my house that they made. <laughs> they made a point of pointing that out leads that us these, into news. <laughs> <laughs> they made a point of pointing out these are Budweiser Clydesdale, so don't ask for a Bud Light. <laughs> and apparently, I'm assuming it's even in liquor stores and restaurants. Most of the money, aside from making the beer from Budweiser itself, goes to taking care of the Clydesdales, which I did not know. Which makes me feel a little bit better about drinking Budweiser when I'm at a restaurant or something. Which I thought was a beauty. Who drank Sarah's Bud? I did. (laughs) And Dad drank Carol's. But they had this new way of doing it. I can't remember what they called it. 
there's a new way. That I'm going to bring ten non-drink beer drinking friends. <laughs> Which they, they have two different ways. They, and designated they, they, drivers. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got ten designated drivers. <laughs> They've got a new way that they uh, they pour it. I can't remember the exact name that they pull it out of the draft. But at the last minute on this one, they push it back the other direction, and it gets this slightly sweet. It's the exact same ta- uh, keg. It's the exact same beer. It's just they switch it at the last second, and it makes it the beer slightly sweeter and a little um, not as bubbly. Get a little thicker of a foam on it too. <clears throat> huh. Yeah, highly enjoyable. I really recommend it. Probably pushes all the impurities. <laughs> push it the other way. It, it pushes it, that gunk that gets caught up in there, <laughs> drops it in there, gives you a little bit of that barley type flavor, mm. sweet barley flavor. But if you want to see pictures of the horses, I posted them on my Facebook page, and it's a public. So just go to Keith Miles on Facebook, and you'll you'll see the album. I looked at. A few, I didn't get through all fifty. Yeah, I wound up taking a lot more than I expected, and I, I did some. We, we took some pictures with one of the horses. Uh, one of the horses we saw was a celebrity. "Quote unquote," uh, the most I think it was the most recent commercial with the dog. Oh, the Super it was Bowl the, commercial. Yeah, it was the horse from that one. Oh, cool. Yeah. Did you get his autograph? No. Oh. Hoofprint. No. <laughs> didn't didn't even get close enough to touch autograph. it. He's, he's, but, but he's, no. he's a little, it's gone to his head. They, they, so they, 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 they offer a package that you can pay in addition. I'll come out here and stand so people yeah. can I'm see sure. me, but, you know. I don't, I don't know what all the VIP tour. Well, just, just like the conventions <laughs> in about six years, they'll be doing the rounds. And I'll I wait need, I need the money now. Yeah. <laughs> well, and then you, we went to leave. Celebrities wore off a little bit, so I need to make some money off <laughs> the autographs. We went to leave, and then there were additional Clydesdales on the other side of the paddock. In the driveway, so we stopped and petted those and took pictures. And some of those you could tell were pretty young, because you can tell they're young because they get are they're much furrier. Their coat's not as smooth and everything. But yeah, it was a lot of fun. Highly recommend it, especially if if you're traveling through. Definitely worth a stop. It's worth, I would say, two and a half hour drive up there. Cool. Yeah. Do you guys do anything other than fireworks? Sean did, I know. He's wearing the evidence. <laughs> I went to the Midland Theater in Kansas City on Tuesday night and saw Weird Al Yankovic again. How many times is this for you now? Uh, three. Maybe a four. I don't know. I can't remember. As good as the third or fourth Yes. Time? <laughs> I was at work, popped over to Instagram, took a break, popped over to Instagram, saw his pictures. Yeah. I was quite jealous. You should be. I was cursing you. <laughs> I was cursing Al for being in Midland in the middle of the week when I couldn't take off in July. Well, you, you, you missed him kind of all around because after uh, Tuesday he was in Kansas City and then Tuesday he, we weren't in sweeps yet though were we? <laughs> Wednesday he was in Wichita and then uh, Thursday he was in Council Bluffs. So you had multiple opportunity. Now of course the the Midland had was sold out and at least three hours. Wichita was sold out. Wichita or Council Bluffs. We we I I have seen. Some you know I brag a little bit. I've seen some big name concerts. I've seen Paul McCartney. That's, yeah. that's, that's, Who's that? He's a, 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 a what was that band he was in? Um, it was a foursome. I can't, yeah. I can't think of the name. Back of it. in the day, four guys. Yeah, they broke up. It was a boy band, I think. Yeah, yeah. a long time ago though, right? Long they time had ago. Weird haircuts. Yeah. I remember. I've seen Elton John. <laughs> I've seen. I've seen Elton. I've seen Elton. I've not seen Elton. I've seen Elton. So I've, I've seen some big people. I've seen I Bob went, Dylan. 
Seen Bob Dylan? Huh. I've not yeah. seen Bob Dylan. I haven't I've seen a Beatle. My favorite band ever, <laughs> and I have not seen a Beatle in concert. And I'm, I've only got half of them left to do, so I uh, or that I can do now. I will put Weird Al in the top five of any concert I've seen. Certainly, I've I seen Al. Just... I, I have seen Al. I've seen his first two numbers of his show, and that's it. <laughs> because I went and got video of one for the news one time. Two, two, two. It was at T-Pack. Two songs all Two I got whole songs. Two, Two whole songs. Whole songs. Well, you, you've seen uh, uh, Mellencamp. I have? Yeah. Didn't you go with us to that one? No. No? Uh, and, uh, was, that, was that Celebration? Was that Gen Con? Maybe it was must have been Gen Con because I went to Celebration. Oh, then it must have been, so, must have been Gen Con. It must have been Gen Con. I thought, oh, well, I remember you guys went uh, because he was playing performing. Well, no, well we didn't know. The... We didn't know that. We bought. Uh, there was a guy scalping tickets to the Colts preseason game. Which That's when they was, were playing uh, at the Holodome. Yeah, or not the Holodome, <laughs> the uh, Sundome, not Sundome. What the heck is it? Some, the Dome, the Incredible RCA Dome, RCA Dome, That's when they were playing at the RCA. Because it was an attached to it, and it was like fifteen bucks for a preseason ticket to a football. We're like, yeah, okay, why not? And then the halftime show was John Mellencamp. We went what <laughs> for a preseason game? So we got half of a. Half a game and a Mellencamp concert for so you 15 left bucks. After the concert? Yeah, left after the concert. <laughs> it was the Colts playing nobody. It was a pre-season, you know, it was like it was a pre-season yeah. But, yeah, it was, I guess that wasn't you, was it? Anyway, so, yeah. I, I, no, Al, thanks I, for rubbing it in. <laughs> sir. <laughs> I, I've seen John Cougar Mellencamp without the Cougar. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, no, Al puts on an amazing show. It's, 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 it's not just a concert. It's very much a... Theatrics and, theatrics and spectacular and video segments and costume changes and he does everything from from the videos. Have you guys seen the video to Tacky from yeah. from, from mm-hmm. his new one? Yeah. Okay, so they, they they always start with Fun Zone, which is that weird little instrumental piece from mm-hmm. Stanley Spadowski's Clubhouse at UHF, and that kind of gets the crowd pumped up because they know he's coming. And then the video f- monitor flares to life, and it's Al in the Tacky outfit, and he's walking down the street singing to the camera, and it's just it looks just like the music video. And we stopped, and the Mel starts grabbing me, and she's like, he's outside! <laughs> and he is. They filmed him basically walking around the block downtown, and then he entered the theater. Oh, that's neat. That's and came really through the cool. crowd to come up on stage. That's for the, neat. That was, and it was like... That's a great opening number, yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. That so. gets the crowd pumped. Um, and then launched right into the polka, and, you know... Uh, did he do Did he do mostly mandatory fun, or was there any old? He ones? did a lot more mandatory fun than I thought he would do. Even some of the original. Now, I, I, I'm one of those guys. I like Al's originals. I yeah, genuinely yeah. enjoy some. Sure, sure. And the mandatory fun, I think, is is one of his most solid albums uh, that he's put out. Yeah. There are a couple of the originals on mandatory fun that I'm not big fans of, and even those got you know concert play, which kind of surprised me. Huh. But he why also why why is, why would that surprise you that they got played because. When well, you're do when you have a new album out, that's what you do. The majority well, yeah, of your you set, do, you do set the is, from the is from the new most album. recent. Well, album. Seem to leave a couple off. There, there are songs that I love. Well, you go to a ten reunion of an album and they, they play the whole thing front to back. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is awesome. <laughs> there, there's every every. Album oh, now we're on the B side. <laughs> there are songs that I absolutely love on that album, and I think to myself, this will never get the light of day at a concert. It's just not one of those concert songs, you know. And there were a couple of them on Mandatory Fun that I was surprised. Because how do you pull off sports song? He didn't. They just did a clip of it. Oh. It was one of the montage. That's the While other thing. he rested. While he rested. <laughs> no, he was changing clothes. That's the other thing Al does that I think a lot of artists probably would be smart While he to rested do, his voice. Yes. Is Al does montages where he'll come out and run three, four, five songs together. 
and just move from the chorus to the, you know, it's, it's just enough to give you the medley. hook of it. Medley. A medley. Yeah, mon- yeah. Medley, medley is the word I'm yeah. looking for. Um, but he'll, he'll do them as, the, as these medleys. And it's, it's, you know, genius because you get <clears> to hear just enough of it to go, hey, there's that one. And then you move on to the, the next bit. Because, I mean, you know, again, when you're doing a parody of a song, eh, sometimes it's, it's just, you know, the hook is what you remember and you, right. you could care less about the rest of it. And he knows that and he, he, he's brilliant at it. Then he well, it's a good out. way to get more songs in, too. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, you get a much wider you know, variety of stuff. So then uh, I've seen I've seen Elton John twice. I have yet to hear Sad Songs Say So Much, which is probably <laughs> my favorite Elton John song. But that's another one of those, yeah. it's not a concert yeah. song. I get it. But if he did a medley, you know, maybe I can hear it sometime. But then he comes out, and they, they had um, an acoustic set, basically, where they sat down and just kind of, you know, moved away from all the instruments and everything were up front of the stage. And they started playing Layla, the Eric Clapton remixed '90s version of Layla, the really slow Layla. guitar. Do 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 do. But he sang the lyrics to "Like a Virgin." <laughs> you would not think that. Or no, I'm sorry, no, not "Like a Virgin." Uh, eat it. He did "Eat It" oh, to God. Layla. Oh. And then during that whole set, I can see that a little bit more. Yeah. You wouldn't think it would work, but it did. And then during the whole set, they played in that style, like a blues club kind of, you know, it's a real slow jam. Uh-huh. They did like a virgin. They did something. They did a couple of his big, massive ones that from the eighties that you would just not expect to be reinvented. He did like a surgeon, right? Not like the virgin, like a surgeon. Okay. I'm just making sure he did <laughs> his version. version. He of did his version. Like a virgin. Um, which, you know, and that was great. And then of course he came out for, uh, for the encore and did Saga Begins and Yoda, uh, which is always the encore yeah. ever since Saga Begins came out. And I, I'm thinking to myself now, okay, so you got to come out with another album and you got to do a third Star Wars song because yeah, that way you've yeah. got one from each trilogy. Yeah. And yeah. you've created your own trilogy. So you got you, you got to do it for me, Al. Force, <laughs> Force Awakens, it's buddy. It's coming. Two, though, right? Hmm? No, just the, just two. the two Star Wars songs. There was two, more than two Star Wars yeah. songs. Saga begins in Yoda. But yeah, it was it was phenomenal. And for some reason, I, I thought Mel had been to one of these before with me, and she had not. So of course, her brain was she was just oh my god, could not stop talking about how much fun she had, how great the concert was. Um, Wait, were these the tickets you won from? Yeah, ah, I forgot. I just it just hit me that you went to <laughs> UHF at Alamo Draft House, won the trivia won contest to this. And one tickets to this, ah. which I would have bought tickets for this anyway. Yeah, yeah. But you know, it was nice to and well, we had, it sold out really fast. It did sell out really so fast. Just made you have to not have to worry about it. So um, he's got a hot album right now. Yeah. <laughs> we are considering he will be in Denver next month, and we are toying with the idea of taking a uh, uh, just a, a little extended weekend and running down to Denver and hanging out, and then seeing Al in Denver again because it was so much fun. Mm. He's that good. So that was that was Tuesday. You know, how can the week get any better? <laughs> I saw Weird Al on Tuesday, and then um, kind of led up to. We um, watched a lot of stuff this week. Actually, I got through season one Clone Wars. We watched. Um, I watched seventeen seventy six because the last couple of years I haven't managed to squeeze it in between work and everything. And that oh, that yeah. for, that for me that's my. Independence. That's, that's my Independence Day movie. That's my Fourth of July movie. So, I mean, I don't get me wrong. I love Independence Day. I will watch it. I love The Patriot. I love you know any Fourth of July movie. You know, yeah, I'm there. But 1776 is my one. That's the and it just came out on Blu-ray, and so I was adamant that man, I got to get this in this year, and I don't know when I'm going to do it. And for whatever reason, 
on the fourth was on Saturday, right? Yeah. We had Friday night. Who um, I fell asleep um, during that. <laughs> I wonder why you went. You may have it. noticed I went radio silent. <laughs> oh, I think it was just three of us anyway, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, there were four <laughs> initially. Or was it just 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 the three of us? Just us. Well, two of us apparently. And then then, then there were two. And there were two. I passed out. Um, It happens. Believe me, I yeah. (laughs) I I woke up when it was over, and I felt bad. And I was like, "Let's go to bed." And I was like, "Oh, I miss it." And then I thought, "Eh, Glenn does it all the time." (laughs) (laughs) But so we went to bed, and I was exhausted. And for whatever reason, six in the morning, poink. Wide awake. Did you fall asleep during Friday night? But yeah, I mean, I worked <laughs> and I had to work that day, so you know, it's like I got to be up at, at work at ten. It's like I lay there and lay there and I fought it and I fought it and I finally broke out Legacy and played a little bit, hoping that just something, you know, nah, I couldn't do it, couldn't do it. And I finally rolled over and I said, I'm going to watch a movie. I said, I'm sorry, I'm going to get up. So I struck it up, 1776. And uh, God, I just, I love it so much. And then. Uh, <laughs> We watched uh, Terminator Salvation. We did get to that one. <laughs> we were at the movie. We were at the hotel, and that movie came on cable. I was like, "Oh, we could watch this." <laughs> or not. I, I was just watching the credits. I was like, "Wow, there was a lot of people in." This. There were a lot of people that I didn't remember being in I that. Remember that were Anton in that. Yelkin and uh, I'd forgotten Moon, who was in it. Well, I wasn't as aware of Moon Blungood when she was in that. I didn't realize that either. Um, I saw the name and went, oh. And Dallas, uh, Bryce Dallas Howard. Bryce Dallas Howard was in it. And uh, yeah, just one after another. uh, Captain America First Avenger instead. I did not hate it on the rewatch. I haven't seen it since we watched it the first time. And um, I didn't hate it. I I don't think it's as good as two. And it's definitely got a ton of problems with it. Um, And the director's cut. Yeah. If... The, the three minutes in question are the three minutes that I'm thinking of. It's not enough. It's a very jarring that we're going along, going along, going along. And then all of a sudden there's a cut. Like there's a fade out and we're in a different location with the same characters in what feels like the middle of another scene. Huh? And I remembered thinking that when I watched it the first time. And went, Maybe that's why I don't like it. Maybe shot? I need to see the theatrical we... version. And then we, we watched it again, and I looked at Mel, and I said, was there a weird cut there? Was that just me? She says, I have no idea where this came from. It just kind of, And I, I'll bet anything, because that seems about three minutes. I'll bet anything that's what they dropped in, that they were trying to beef up this particular part just a little I'll bit. Let, I'll let you know what I think, because I, I only saw it once in the theater. Oh, there I'm you still, go. I'm in my rewatch right now, so I'll, I'll let you okay. know if, if I notice it, too. But um, like I said, it's 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 not it's definitely the weakest of the Terminator films. But I didn't hate it, and we mm. were we were actually both very glad that we decided to go ahead and include it as part of the rewatch because it, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna include I'm it, gonna, especially since I didn't get to Genesis this weekend. So yeah. there's gonna, some great parts. There's gonna some, be a while. Some very very Genesis, solid so. great parts to that movie, but this just on the whole, it's not a. Before you get to your last one, because <laughs> <laughs> I know where you, you know were where because I saw your Facebook feed. Um, I too watched 1776 this weekend. Did you really? <laughs> on accident. Oh, on uh, TCM. TCM. I'm flipping year. around about three o'clock in the afternoon, and the titles come on, and I go, "Huh? This is the thing." I got up that morning lamenting the fact that I still don't own the silly thing. I used to watch it every year because it used to be on cable every year. You used to be able to find it, and I was lamenting it this year. Because I spent several years since I've watched 1776 uh, because it's just not on anymore. And I, I listen to me. That's a Fourth of July tradition, and I was really lamenting the fact early in the morning. So we went to lunch, 
And I think we went, yeah, we went to Buffalo Wild Wings and we came home and we were waiting to go to my parents for dinner and, and fireworks. And I'm flipping around the TV and there's the title scene. And I went, serendipity. <laughs> so I sat and watched 1776 before we went to my parents' house. Nice. Uh, the other two things that I did real quick is, and I'm going to review them. I'm just going to mention that I watched them. I did get Terminator Watch this week and Terminator 2. And I'm about halfway through Terminator 3 because the kids ah. kept coming into the room today. And I kept going, I can't watch this while the kids are around. This is a pretty violent film. <laughs> Although, so. is that one PG-13 or is that one No, R? It's, it's, it's still is R. That one R. 3 is R. 3 yeah. is, is, you know. It's, they all are R, then. Is Genesis R? I can't remember if Salvation Genesis. was. Is it R? Salvation, I think the theatrical might have been a PG-13. I want to say it was PG-13. Oh, oh, okay. okay. But there's we, nothing in the director's cut that would have made We did not get to the other Terminators. So I'm two, and a half, I'm two and a half movies into my rewatch. <laughs> okay. We didn't, we didn't watch anything this week. Uh, the only thing I watched was I am finished season five of Buffy and season two of Angel. We we did start that. Uh, I know the girls on the Five Ish uh, Fangirls podcast are talking about uh, Jonathan Strange, Mister Norrell. Oh yeah, is that the name of it? We watched the first two episodes of that with How Patrick. Was that? It's really it slow oh, okay. to start. Yeah, it's and based it's, off a novel, so it's the, novels the, are slow. The, the, the first episode ended, and Patrick's like, "We're going to watch another one." And Mel and I, like, okay, we'll watch another one. And it, it it picks up considerably in that second part. I'm glad he made us watch it because now I'm kind of curious to see where they're going with it. But if I just watched the pilot, I would have bailed on it. Hmm. And I think Patrick knew that because he'd rewatched, he'd, he'd watched, he'd seen them already. Them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we're we're kind of slowly working our way through that one. Hmm. Um, I love 1776. It's just the yeah. best. <laughs> it's enjoyable film. It's just the yeah, best. Well, watching the Founding Fathers sing is always fun. Yeah. <laughs> Almost as fun as fighting evil. I love, I'm, 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 I'm afraid. I own the... Uh, he wasn't a Founding Father, though. Lincoln wasn't a Founding Father. Oh, yeah, I was no, thinking Lincoln. Sleepy Hollow. Oh, Sleepy Hollow. Yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> I, I don't watch that, but that's right. I just... Uh, so what else so did good. you do this week, um, <laughs> We went tonight to go see uh, Terminator Genesis. Mini review. Mini review. No spoilers. No spoilers. It <laughs> you is... didn't get a chance to see it yet, have you? No, but I read some spoilers online after seeing a 25%. I'm, I'm still <laughs> staying away from it. Rotten rating. Yeah, I'm still uh, staying away from it. I think it it's, deserve it? I think it's good. I think it's good. better than Salvation. As much as I didn't hate Salvation coming off of that one, I still think it's the weakest of the films. I thought it was good. It was fun. It was really entertaining, and they did a masterful job of tying everything together. Now, you didn't know the big twist going in, right? I don't, don't, don't talk about the, the twist because twist. I have been I have, staying I away from spoilers. never saw the second trailer for it that supposedly that gave that twist away. About. And I even commented to Mel as the lights dimmed. It was like, I really hope there's not a Terminator Genesis trailer in front of Terminator Genesis. Because <laughs> I've done so good staying away from that. Um, so, no. I, I, I okay. don't believe so that. I, 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 was, I wonder if some of your opinions on it are colored in the fact that that's a surpri- that was a surprise to you. Could be. It could be. Um, but I just I, I thought they did a really good job with it. And it's it's so very steeped in the first film. Yes, we've heard um, with with references and, and you know they're going back and they rewrite the history of it and do a pretty darn good job of it hmm. and there's surprises and things that I didn't expect to see that cropped up and was like well yeah of course you have to have that and um, I thought it was really entertaining and they did a really good job with it it's not Terminator it's not Terminator Two 
but it was it was good. And there, there's, a, there's, a, there's a fun bit where Arnold says... Uh, it's at 27 now? Yeah. It, it, Arnold says, you know, I'm old, I'm not obsolete. And they kind of ram that point home through the whole thing. And I've heard Arnold's the best part of it. He's he, yeah. Matt Smith has gotten great reviews in it too. Matthew Hush. Smith. Matthew Smith. Matthew Smith. Hush. Uh, I, I read non-spoiler reviews of his performance. There, there, there's, there's also you didn't know he was in it, right? Yes. Okay. You wouldn't know from the trailers, but no, yeah. definitely wouldn't know. And, and there, from what I understand, there's a good reason. Yeah. Um, and there's uh, <laughs> no spoilers. No spoilers. Yeah, now you have. No, it's just no. It's, it's, it's a good reason he's not in it much. And, um, he's not in the movie much either. <laughs> uh, Snake Eyes is in it, too. Or yeah. not Snake Eyes, uh, uh, Storm Shadow. Yeah. I, the other guy. <laughs> yeah. Who? From, uh, the, well, I can't remember. Okay, remember, I haven't seen the G.I. Joe movies. So. Oh, well. Uh, what else has he been <laughs> in? I don't know what else he's been in. He's the Asian actor who played Storm Shadow. He's been, he's a, he's a martial oh, arts Oh, okay. The, 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 guy, uh, the other Terminator. It's in the trailer. Remind me, it is. Remind me of something to uh, to tell you because we were talking about the special edition version of T uh, two, which you don't think you've seen. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I haven't. Okay, so <laughs> the guy that plays Kyle Reese, what's his name? Michael, Michael Bean. Michael Bean is in Terminator. Maybe 2. I have that because I kind of remember him. He's. I didn't realize he wasn't in the theatrical version because I hadn't seen the theatrical version for so long. I but they had inserted him into in the sequence. Yeah, so maybe I he's, see he's a, a dream sequence that yeah. uh, uh, Sarah gets because I was watching that and I went, oh yeah, because I had just watched it. I mean, I watched one one day and, and two the next day, and I was like, oh, I'd forgotten he's in this. And I think a very important part. Yeah, I think it's a, huge, it's a great. Addition to but the, the interesting tie-in is I was watching Tombstone today and didn't realize that he's Johnny Ringo. Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I totally did not realize that until today. It's like, oh, hey, it's, it's Johnny Ringo. Or that's uh, Kyle Reese. Or not Kyle Reese. Young uh, Hung Lee. Yeah, that guy. Yeah, Reese. Kyle Reese. Yeah. yeah Kyle Reese. But yeah, I, I, like I said, I thought it was really, really good and thoroughly enjoyable and um, definitely think it's one you should go see. You don't. I, we saw oh, it in two D. I don't think there's any reason. I don't remember anything in it that made me go. No, wow, I, I wish I'd I, seen this. In 3D, I have a feeling I'm going to end up having to see the three D because I think I'm going to try to go this week after work. There's a ten forty five, which is going to be cutting it close. Usually, there's usually 3D. like twenty seconds yeah. worth of trailer before or twenty seconds, twenty minutes worth of trailers before, so I can probably get there and still see the film. Yeah, but no, totally. I don't see a foreseeable time we're going to be able to see it. Well, that's why we. So Sarah watching. wants to see it. Yeah. Okay. And I was so, gonna say you could go with me. Yeah, this but that's want, the thing, but... and and she wants to see two and three before we uh, see this one. More two than three, but I'm insisting on three. And with British Fest next weekend, and then Ant Man the following weekend after yeah, that, yeah. and I think we're gonna wait to see Minions until every every all the idiots are going to see uh, Pixels instead. <sighs> The following weekend, I think so then great. after that, I'm it's going to be totally stoked. My kids think it looks fantastic. I'm sure the kids will enjoy it. I wish it was it's not, it's an not Adam for Sandler me. film, but uh, maybe, it's not for me. Maybe, maybe the movie's better than the trailer gives it credit for. Oh, I think the trailers. I've seen it a thousand times now, so I'm totally. It's a double whammy for me. Burned out it's on it. Adam Sandler and Kevin James. Oh, I like Kevin James. I don't. I. I'm not, I'm not I didn't Kevin like James. him so much in. Um, King of Queens, but I, some of the movies I've seen, he's good. I haven't seen Paul Blart yet, but either Paul um, Blart movies. I didn't realize that Pixels was a Chris Columbus film. Yeah, that's why I'm excited about it. 
That mind. actually raises it up a little yeah. bit in my estimation. It just now. lures my opinion of Chris Columbus. Yeah. <laughs> I think it looks. I clever. might watch it on DVD when I see it at the yeah, library. I, I think just it looks really clever. Just not. Does anyway, not so, anyway yes, so thumbs up. Genesis, thumbs up. All right. Oh, and no spoilers, but they explain the damn spelling. <laughs> the Genesis. Yes. <laughs> and I'm totally fine with it now. So. Okay. Hmm. Anything else in what we did this week before we move on to news? Nah, let's just move on to news. First bit of news is some very, very sad news, I think, for all of us here at Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who has lost another alumni. Edward Burnham passed away. Mm. Luckily, he lived a long old age of 98. If you don't know who Edward Burnham is... You probably recognize his hair. And his face. <laughs> he was Profe- Professor Watkins in the fourth story of the fourth episode of The Invasion, and Professor Ketterwell in Robots. Sad I will, news. I will miss his hair. <laughs> I, I'm I'm always saddened by the loss of Doctor Who alums. I'm saddened by the loss of anybody, but of Doctor Who alums. Um, when there are 98, the encouraging thing is that you you know he lived a full life. When and he you, died when peacefully you die, at home, you nearly make the 100 mark. You know, it just it's it's impressive to get near the century mark. That's that's a long full life, and I'm glad for him. So. Can I throw out a piece of uh, frivolous news to, uh, to to lighten the load that we did Please. not discuss beforehand? Because yes, I like doing it to James, or to, uh, to James, to Glenn. Uh, <laughs> I, I just found this, that uh, in honor of the 30th anniversary of the classic film Back to the Future, which was also this weekend, Augusta, Kansas changed their name to Hill Valley. Huh. Oh, I wasn't at a yeah. California town that changed. We heard about this. To coincide with the 80th anniversary of the town's historic Augusta Theater. We did hear about this, yeah. And so and they uh, did a marathon of all. They did all three, three Back to the Future films. Back. They had a Marty McFly lookalike contest, a photo shoot with a real DeLorean, and uh, apparently had a day of it. So, kudos to you, Augusta, Kansas. Yeah. Which has absolutely no tie-in whatsoever with Back to the Future, and we don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Claim it. Up next in news, we got a little uh, tantalizing tidbit about season nine. <laughs> I thought this was a bit intriguing. I'm, I'm, I'm usually not one that likes these kind of stories because I think it just it, it feels very Moffat what Peter Capaldi did recently. But in uh, an interview with Entertainment Weekly, thirteenth um, uh, no twelfth Doctor. <laughs> I don't know where he falls now. Uh, Peter Capaldi uh, did uh, tease. Um, Something coming up in Series 9 uh, in the magazine. Uh, Which also gave us our first official picture. Picture, yes. Zygons. <laughs> um, in an interview the TARDIS with, is in it. In, 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 and in the picture that they teased as well. Um, oh, that, yeah, I yeah. can see that. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's like... <laughs> yeah, I thought the same thing. I was like, ah, come on. It's like a teaser that says Doctor is coming back this fall. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't, get, the picture of the TARDIS, I can't yeah. get excited over this picture. <laughs> All right. Anyway, uh, in an interview with Entertainment Weekly, they asked, could you tease the two-part premiere? And Capaldi said, it places the Doctor in a conflict that is central to his being, as well as containing some subtle tributes to the 60s and truly wonderful guest performances. Yeah. So Mm. that could mean we might see Susan. 
Um, he did was asked to elaborate on the photograph, and he said the photo shows the doctor about to make a mistake that has cataclysmic repercussions. So that'll be interesting. Now they're setting this entire. Se- this obviously will be the story arc for the season. Yeah, I'm sure. this is going to be. It's going to be fallout from clearly. This. Yeah, they're they're. He's going to have to mistake. fix this mis- quote unquote mistake that's made. And I think the other intriguing thing was uh, how is the doctor different this season from the last? He's throwing himself into life with a newfound hunger for adventure. He's in pursuit of joy and grabbing every thrill that he can along the way. But I sense him running from something that even he does not understand yet understand. So that'll be interesting. Now, to play doctor's advocate, do you suspect a little bit that the guest performances is simply Michelle Gomez, since we know that she's... And it certainly could be, possible. and it could be any other guests that are lined oh, yeah. up for... But, um, Arya Stark. Um, well, she's later in the season. Yeah, but, but yeah. I mean, he says, but he's talking, he's about, talking the about the entire season. Yeah, yeah, so. So. And we, we she's been confirmed, and, and so there's, there well, are and we, guest and we, we were stars confirmed with um, Gemma Redgrave, not Gemma Redgrave, Kate. Yeah, Gemma Redgrave. Gemma Redgrave and uh, Osgood com- coming back, so... Sorry, his real name. Uh, Maisie Williams. I, I, I have a theory that. that she's. I have, right here, I have a theory that she's. No, I'm not gonna say. It. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like to write this down and seal it? Maybe I should. <laughs> I have a theory, a theory as to who she might be playing. So. We also uh, speaking of the series nine news, we found out the finale director, Rachel Talalay, is coming back. Yay! You guys want to know the tweet she spent out, sent out that contains a possible teaser spoiler? Um, sure. Let's uh, signal the spoiler warning here, though, first. And Reco- which is this, is this, this where you're going to queue up Dr. Phil? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I forgot we talked about doing Dr. Phil. This could be spoiler. taken in two different ways. One is a spoiler. One is just uh, her breaking silence after contract. She says, recovering from the case of the silence. <laughs> the and silence capitalized. Take it as you will. Hashtag Doctor Who. I'm so fortunate you to be asked. excited. I thought you'd be going, oh, come on. I thought we were done with that. I am so fortunate to be no, asked back for the finale of season nine. Hashtag don't screw it up part two. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think we all agreed that she was a standout director from oh, last absolutely. season. Absolutely. I hope they bring more female directors and writers. Which, and, and we get one female writer this season. Yeah. So. Exciting stuff. Very exciting. Soon. Easter Saturday. We'll Easter Saturday we know is it. coming. <laughs> and our last bit of news I found was very serendipitous, considering our subject matter for this week. Looking into the Briggs future, it looks like Downtime is going to be released on DVD. What? Yeah. If you remember, Downtime's the independent video we reviewed, made in 95 by Real-Time Pictures. Okay, I'm trying to find the... Starring, uh, Starring. Nicholas Courtney as the Brigadier, uh, Elizabeth Sladen as Sarah Jane Smith, um, Victoria, Victoria played Waterfield. by... <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, I can't remember her name now. Winfield. I Deborah Watling. Deborah, Deborah Watling. Watling. <laughs> Victoria uh, Waterfield. Um, and yeah. also uh, featured the return of Edward Travers. Yeah, Professor, Professor Edward Travers. Travers. And um, 
your uh, favorite actor or supplies to voice for one of your favorite characters. Um, uh, John Leeson? John Leeson was, yeah. was in it as well. And Jeffrey Beavers, who played uh, the master in the series proper, played the homeless guy. <laughs> <laughs> homeless guy number one in uh, downtime. Uh, so a, a deal was struck with real time. Uh, Tropicana Holdings and OMIP uh, behind-the-scenes features are being recorded, and DVD releases promises loads of new, previously unseen material. So there's no word if we're getting a U.S. release or if it's just going to be U.K., but I would think they would eventually port it over here since Doctor Who's so. becoming a big, quite a big deal. I would hope so. And no, no confirmed release date or anything yet, but at least it's coming. So those that didn't get to see Downtime when we reviewed it can watch it in its glory on DVD. Yay. I love that. I, love I think that's that really cool. Show. I love I ho- that. I, I hope uh, real, uh, real time. Yeah, real time gets releases more of their Doctor Who related films. Well, it kind of it opens the door to of, it. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense that they would do downtime first. From the standpoint, it's got the most commercial appeal for the Doctor Who fans. Well, and based uh, off of what I, we. What I know, especially coming on the heels of finding All the, the intelligence story, and you know, with and fear this and, new novel series that is launched about Lethbridge Stewart. Well, not to mention also since uh, Moffat supplied Kate's name as Kate in the new series, yeah. it gives a nice tie to that character as well because he was, you know. Reverse thinking or forward thinking enough to name her Kate in the series, so yeah. that that was a, a bonus. Even though she's Kate Lethbridge Stewart in the novel and television show or television movie, and she's just Kate Stewart, and it still works. She's just dropped the. She just added Lethbridge. Yes. In the new series, after she reconciled with her dad. No, she didn't add it. She dropped. She's just Stewart. She's just Kate Stewart in the new series. Uh, she's I'm Kate sure she, Lethbridge I think you, Stewart. I think you have it the, reversed, nope. don't you? Nope. Oh, just Kate Stewart. The doctor calls her Kate Lethbridge Stewart. Nope. I, I can distinctly hear yeah, Matt I mean, Smith saying that, doesn't he? The doctor calls Rory <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Pond. <laughs> That's true. Okay. <laughs> That's it for news. Not good with names, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we move on to our feedback? Our first bit of feedback, actually, as far as I can see right now, our only bit of feedback comes from Holly. Holly writes, Lethbridge Stewart, The Forgotten Son. Hey guys, hope that everyone had a great holiday weekend, weekend in general. I have to say that I really enjoyed this story. I'm looking forward to future books in the series. I will get... We get more backstory about the brig. I have to say that I really enjoyed this story, and I'm looking forward to... F- oh, I'm sorry, I reread the same line. Namely, his childhood about his parents. We also get mentions of the Yeti and the Great Intelligence. It's a great start to the series. I'm looking forward to more. Bit of housekeeping, the July book for the of the month is The Roundheads by Mark Gates. I will remember next time to add pictures to the poll <laughs> for the next poll. <laughs> looking forward to hearing everyone else's comments on this book. Holly from Wisconsin. Thank you, Holly. Thank you, Holly. Holly, my my laziness salutes your industriousness. uh, (laughs) Providing me with a a, a way to judge a book by its cover. (laughs) 
Well, let's move on to our review of Lethbridge Stewart, The Forgotten Son. The great intelligence has been defeated, and Colonel Lethbridge Stewart's world has changed. For Colonel Alastair Lethbridge Stewart, his life in the Scots Guard was a straightforward enough, rising in the ranks through 19 years of military service. But then his regiment was assigned to help combat the Yeti incursion in London, the robotic soldiers of an alien entity known as the Great Intelligence. For Lethbridge Stewart, life would never be the same again. Now he is a mammoth ta- task ahead of him, repopulating the repopulating of London. Millions of civilians need to be returned home after being evacuated so suddenly. On top of that, he also has his engagement to think about. Meanwhile, in the Cornish village of his a man is haunted by the memory of an accident 30 years old. The hollow man of Remington Manor seems to have awoken once more. And in Coles Hill, Buckinghamshire, Mary Gore is plagued by the voice of a small boy calling her name. What connects these strange events to the recent Yeti incursion? And what has it done... Uh, to what, what all has it to do with Lethbridge Stewart? Dun dun dun! Oh, good. I'm glad we all like this book. <laughs> well, it's it's an enjoyable story when it starts. Uh, if not, sometimes a bit confusing to me trying to keep track of all these other characters that I can't seem to seem to keep straight in my head. All of his childhood friends, but then once the brig. Alice there actually gets to Bordeaux. <laughs> I, th- I think it's acceptable if we refer to him as the Brig. I'm gets, fine with it. Gets to his hometown and they start digging into it is where the book really picks up for me. I liked all the references to the London events and everything and all this setup, but it really starts going. And then the ending is what just puts it over the top and makes it awesome. That's my mini review. I'm, I was the same way. I I didn't so much have a problem with keeping the childhood friends straight. I like how the the book sets up just you know very near the events of the London invasion and or the London what do they call it event or it's London an event event it's London an incursion. It's, it's, yeah. well, it's not an invasion. It's an event. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's over. How we keep having these kind of you know vague callbacks to it, and how Major Douglas. You know, it's it's a need-to-know basis. He doesn't need to know. <laughs> uh, but then he's brought in because Leatherwood Spirit obviously is getting ready to go on a um, leave with his, I presume this, uh, can I, am I remember like, this is his first wife, right? This yes. is the one woman that he would marry the first time. This would actually be Kate's mother. Right. Okay. In theory. In theory. Um, so, you know, they're getting ready to go on their their. Uh, engagement trip, essentially. Yeah, they're going to take a little vacation. Holiday. They got engaged. A holiday. <laughs> a holiday. And uh, so I, I like this whole setup. And 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 the you know mother goes off missing. He doesn't realize it until he gets to the country. But I agree with you that once he gets to um, the, the, the town, Bidou. the town Bidou, When once he gets to the town, it's just really kind of picks up and it, and it, it doesn't stop once they get in town. And we go from there. It just continues to go Even and go the, and go. the breaks they take from the action, there's so much developing of the characters and delving into the backstory of what happened. It's just captivating pretty much the whole time. I think I probably read uh, 100 plus pages in three days yeah. because it was so engrossing. 
I read 40 in one sitting. Yeah. I, because I, I got to the end of it and I was like, I can't put this down. I can't put this down. It's 4 o'clock in the morning. I need to go to bed. I can't put this down. <laughs> uh, to be quite honest with you, and I'm going to jump a little bit ahead here, but to be quite honest with you, I was getting a little concerned as I was reading this book that they were going to decide not to incorporate anything from downtime. I thought for sure they would at least give us some uh, hint of recognition to anything that had come in the new series. Yeah. However, I didn't expect them to give it to in the the order that they necessarily did. But I really thought downtime was going to get overlooked, and you guys know my love of downtime. I absolutely think it's phenomenal. The novel is great. Mark Platt wrote that. The television movie is fantastic. I say television movie. It's a the straight-to-video film is Wonderful. It's got its flaws, but overall it's a great story. It really pulls together, to me, it pulls together of the Abominable Snowman, the um, Web of Fear, and um, the Snowman. I think it draws yeah. all of those together and makes a wonderful bridge. But I really, as I was reading this, I just kept giving this impression that they were going to ignore downtime. And it wasn't until we got to the passage where we really kind of get the info dump on the history of the <laughs> That's my favorite section of the whole That's book. That's <laughs> my favorite section, too. And I went, this man just tied it all together. <laughs> and yet still set this apart for its own thing. And incorporated all of the new stuff that has come with the new series, with, with everything that happened in The Snowman and uh, Name of the Doctor and yeah. Clara going in and I just Bells oh of St. John. my god Bills of St. John just it was oh so well done and I just this man was like you could tell this this man loves his Doctor Who when he wrote <laughs> and this, loves his great intelligence and too, I to just, write was, the way he did that was just this. I got there and I was just I was punching the air as I was reading this thing <laughs> going, it's, it's there it's there it's there so <laughs> Yeah, and then and the the, the 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 brilliance of it is the fact that after stopped at every avenue by Clara in the time stream, <laughs> it breaks off. It breaks mm-hmm. off and jumps time streams. Makes decides that it has another target, and that's how we're going to get this wonderful Lethbridge Stewart storyline going on. That's yeah. interweaving with. Lethbridge Stewart. So it doesn't change any of the events of time. It just changes the target and gives us more. I presume we're going to get more great intelligence stories from the impression I get from the books that are coming. Well, yeah. Um, that they, that's going to be kind of the the prime nemesis. Yeah, of the sounds like a lot stories. of a lot of characters are going to carry over to. Yeah, them. exactly. So it just I, at least on the unit side. Just maybe not in how, how do you go back and go? Okay, I like the yeah. great intelligence yeah. so yeah. much. I'm going to write a book about Lethbridge Stewart. But there's a lot of stuff that's come before and after. So I'm going to have to make sure I incorporate all that. How do that. I fit it well, all together? How do I do that the best? Well, I take it right after the London event. And we got all kinds of fan service with the callbacks to what had happened and Lethbridge Stewart knowing this. And when Ann Travers shows back up, I was like, oh, my God. With her I'm, device that I'm she didn't get to use. The in device the that she had to build with the doctor. As <laughs> scientific advisor. Because yeah. it was the device that she had devised. And the one that can, the control yeah, device that the yeah. doctor had divided. That's I was so adamant that we changed Friday Night Who because I, I was two thirds of the way through this book and Anne had showed up and I said, "Oh, we've got to do Web of Fear for Friday Night Who." Arnold just ha- Arnold's role in the whole Arnold book shows back up. Was, was Driver Evan shows him. back up <laughs> for a brief stance. Uh, yeah, a fun. bit of a flashback too. Well, he was it wasn't even in the flashback because he was the driver when uh, he was McDonald or. Uh, 
Douglas's he's the driver the, taking the convoy to the flashback the, of of Evans before, or Arnold before he goes into they the, did when Arnold was yeah. recalling the events of what had happened to him. Um, no, Evans Evans was yeah. Evans was, was the, driver. the convoy. Oh, okay, yeah, and mentions I think I'm the driver. <laughs> That's all I do. Well, he does his typical. I just drive. Yeah, he does his typical. <laughs> I, I'm just the driver. I'm. <laughs> I and then he barely doesn't want to do that because he doesn't want to drive to the yeah. web. He, well, he's been there before. He knows what they're going to. Well, and after after rewatching Web of Fear, I have to be honest, I flash back to that part of the book and I get a little angry that the man is still in the, <laughs> the service. Shouldn't I, he have been dishonorably I thought Westbridge Stewart would have nailed him. He, but he was, <laughs> he he was, a, bit, he was a bit venerated, uh, yeah, uh, vindicated, not vindicated, uh, exonerated in this as well because he... He is the one that drives the thing through when they're not sure if they're going to be able to get into the after because they they fired the firebomb at it yeah. because that's what worked to get them out when Bishop came out with um yeah uh, now I'm forgetting the guy that came out with Bishop the kid's dad the, the two yeah. brothers that died um when he's driving through he's the one that drives through at least I got the impression from the story that he's the one that's driving the the jeep as they go through the thing to get into this the the town I thought that was like okay. He's, he didn't jump out and go, okay, no, I'm just, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm out of here. Now I'm the driver. I have to drive. I can't <laughs> use that excuse anymore. But it was real brief. I mean, it was, it was glad that they didn't dwell on it because, yeah, yeah Evan was, or, uh, yeah, Evans was like uh, driver Evans. Well, and, and just. Mr. Vine, that is his name. The, uh. What? Mr. Vine. Yeah. Vine. He, George. They, George Vine. George, yeah, George. Lethbridge Stewart trying to convince them that they need a unit, essentially. And the, the nice little nods near the end of, well, uh, United Nations probably wouldn't be okay with this. And I thought that was nice. That's that a that was, clever way of changing, playing with the name change. It was sort of addressed at the beginning. And it was hinted more to at the end, that, that the United Nations. I think what, the one thing that I'm going to have a problem with is if they do diverge a bit from Mark Platt's setup in... The downtime novel, which is not part of the television series, as I told you guys about, um, the guy that gets involved because he's also being influenced by the Eddie because he goes to Tibet. He's the one that actually recommends Lethbridge Stewart for the position of uh, brigadier and to head up the unit. I'm hoping that they, they didn't really do anything in here to destroy that yet, but I'm hoping that as they, we build yeah. the unit story... The unit history that that that's not forgotten. That Mark Platt did actually kind of sort of tackle that a little bit in the novelization. I hope so. I'm, I'm hoping so. I think he'll stay true to it because I think that's what I think that's what makes this tie to. I think that's what makes Downtime tie to Doctor Who even more is that it that Downtime was actually published as a missing adventure, and so oh, it, it, yeah. it, and under the Doctor Who title, so. I'm hoping that that uh, what's this author's name? I want to say his name. Andy Frankham Allen. Andy Frankham Allen. Good. Which, good you good read, on you, man. Did you guys read the good afterword? You, I did a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I did read the afterword. And how he he didn't want to start off the series, but <laughs> he was the one with all the brilliant ideas. Thankfully, he did. Yeah. Well, and he's he, kind of green. He's, he's a very pretty new very author. Strong so. start to the yeah. series. I um I wish I could figure out where I was at. Um, there's a, I don't know, somewhere between 70 and 150 page <laughs> reference. I wasn't terribly far into the book. 
But it suddenly felt like we were ramping up to this epic conclusion. And I was like, yeah, 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 getting. And just, I can't believe I'm blown through this so fast. And then stopped and looked, and I still had over <laughs> half the book to go. Because we've already started moving all of the pieces to Bledo. And we're, I mean, it's, in a way. What? He said it the way I was reading it. It wasn't until you said Bledo. 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 I was at Bledo. Yeah. Or <laughs> I kept I, reading I, that in I, my I head. And you said Bledo, and I went. Say it over there. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's what it was. In, in my head. I don't know if that's right. <laughs> every time I read it. No, I, I think you're right. I will apologize now because when in my head, every time I read it, all I heard was minions going, Beedo, Beedo, Beedo. And I had to, I giggled. Lethbridge Stewart returned to Beedo, Beedo. It's just like, I can't do this. But um, yeah, I mean, it just, it was kind of like, like, it was like an episode of Scooby Doo in a way that we had the haunted manor and we've got this yeah, and the town yeah. and, you know, these stories and the crazy author guy and okay. And it felt like we we're kind of, but there was just this moment where, We've got to get to the manor. And it just felt like, bam, we're in high gear. And we're really, and yeah, I looked and yeah. I was like, I still have 150 pages to mm-hmm. go in this thing. Yeah, It's amazing to me that this pulled together just as fast as it did. Yeah, it did come together really And, and it's captivating from that point on. It is, I mean, it's, it's an interesting novel at the beginning. It's, it never got dry. It never got boring. But when it, when it ramps up, it just keeps going. And yeah, I, we, my, such a good the only read. times my attention waned was... When we were with the twins and the, dealing with the twins the, the and the ghost. delinquent kid, they were hanging around. Yeah. yeah. But, but then that tied in so well at the end that it was like, yeah. you got to have that. There, yeah, there, there was nothing unnecessary. It was, in this it novel was completely at all. set up for that. Yeah. The, the only thing, uh, I have one complaint, one tiny, tiny small complaint, is that for it being a Lethbridge Stewart book, I felt that there were a lot of scenes that Lethbridge Stewart was in doing paperwork. Mm uh-huh. hmm. Oh, especially the, in the he beginning. Was, he was office-bound. That's, that, that's was, the brig. It is. Yeah, I that's mean, exactly the way later. I felt. Is yeah. I felt, you know, this is very in line with the Lethbridge Stewart, Stewart we know. You know. It's getting that peek behind the scenes that we, where he's not doing all action with the doctor. Well, and, and, and to the writer's credit, every single one of those was, was an opportunity to bring in somebody and have a conversation well, in the and, room and that and he's to doing paperwork here. To, to yeah. develop some characters and to further some plot and, and Actually, you know, do this kind of... Because he, he's, even when he gets to the town and he's set up shop in the pub, naturally. Not in the church, not in the, the, in the pub. That's where his headquarters <laughs> is at. It's like... Way to go, Alistair. Way to go. Yeah. But even there, he's he's having these these conversations with people and kind of furthering things as he goes. And I just there was a, a, a tiny little part of me that's like, oh, I wanted a little more man of action here. <laughs> but uh, you know, like I said, I'm fine with it. It's small. Complaint. But he's always been chap of the wings, five rounds rabbit. Yeah. I mean, he's always yeah, been he's that person, the leader. He's, he's the one directing way, yeah. people. And Actually, the, the the office scenes to me for the beginning was the most enjoyable part of it. And any any time Lethbridge Stewart was in the story in the beginning, even if it's him doing paperwork, I enjoy. They captured his character so well yeah, that did. his his not really distaste, but not enjoying doing the paperwork and looking forward to passing it off to this other guy. So he doesn't he doesn't want to deal with the yeah. bringing people in. He wants to deal with the action and right. all of that characterization was was so well done. Well, and again, coming off of well, yeah, you know. <laughs> action scene extraordinaire because yeah. you get like almost a whole segment of web of fear oh, is practically a whole episode yeah, yeah is is him running into the eddy in the alleyway in the warehouse and all that so well his relationship too with um and i forgive me for forgetting her name but the character that he's he's engaged, engaged to um 
I love how they, they it's written so well that when they have these private moments, they're very girlfriend boyfriend, but they also understand that there is a hierarchy in their relationship as far as their professional relationship, yeah. and they would slip back and forth very easily into Sally those relationships, White. Sally, and they would slip back and forth into those relationships, and they were it was really well done because the way that it was paced out is they both understood that they had this personal connection, and that sometimes they would let their their defenses down, their professional guards down, but then when there were other people involved or duty came first, they were very professional about that, and I thought that was really a nice touch, and very much in line with Lethbridge Stewart's character. What do you think of the open? This, uh, the the, the prologue uh, chapter with Dr. Omega and his trusty aide, (laughs) Captain Borel. (laughs) He runs in and saves the kid. He was very, um, it was very Doctor Who, (laughs) because the kid was watching something that was very similar to what would have been on television at that time with the Doctor. I'm trying to look up and see who Kate's mother was. Oh, it's not her. Fiona is Kate's Fiona mom. Fiona is Kate's name. mom. Okay. Well, the other thing that helps that because is at the end he talks of he kind of is <laughs> makes reference. He to has the, an inner monologue with himself about how he would he isn't really in love with her, and yeah. it's almost more of a convenience thing because he's getting older and he would never really love her the way she deserves to be loved and and uh, all of that. That's right. Fiona was so, but uh, the TARDIS Wikia says. Fiona was conceived Kate following the London event, so it must maybe that's why him and Sally don't work out as Fiona. Maybe, maybe we'll get that too. Maybe that'll it's be possible. set up in the story. I really liked the Briggs look into the future of himself. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then the fact that he doesn't get to remember it, right. even down to him being a Cyberman. Yes, <laughs> finally giving giving the final salute. getting the salute. Getting yeah, to, and getting the salute. He, they, he wrote all that so vague that. And if you hadn't seen those episodes, it wouldn't make it. That wouldn't quite and make if, sense. And if, if Candy, you had, and you, whoa. and if Candy Jar does not have the right to any of the Doctor Who stuff because yeah. they never mention TARDIS, they talk about a police box. They never mention the Doctor. Yeah, because it's not BBC licensed book. Yeah. So, but these characters could have been licensed out to him by the writer of that particular story. So, yeah, it just it was really well written around that. He, I don't know that Candy Jar books would. Necessary go into this without some sort of blessing from the BBC, yeah. but they they don't ever say Clara's name. They never say the porcelain uh, girl. Yeah, the porcelain girl. I mean, it's just it's so cleverly written that it just it. Oh, it it it, it was can't say enough good things about it. It was place. licensed by an estate from two people. Yeah. So I don't I don't know if they were the ones who created they, uh, the, Alistair. Um, I don't know if they created Alistair, but um, well, maybe they did because he first shows up in Web of Fear. And one of the, one there of them, are two writers on this. I can't remember. Sean's got the DVD. Mervyn Heisman and Henry Lincoln. Mervyn Heisman and Henry right. Lincoln yeah. wrote Web of Fear. They, they were the ones that conceived the intelligence because they also yeah. wrote the Abominable Snowman. Okay, well, there at you least go. Uh, yeah, they both did. And that's interestingly enough. It's it's also nice that that downtime gets some service here because of the fact that um, that's what they were doing in the wilderness years. Is they were going to the authors of original Doctor Who material because in the UK 
especially in the 1960s, 70s, and 80s, uh, authors were licensed. They, they kept their own intellectual property. The BBC did not have – in fact, the BBC oftentimes had to go to um, uh, uh, like Kip Pedler in order to oh, use the Cybermen. Yeah. Had to go to Terrence Dix. Well, not Terrence Dix. Um, uh, uh, not Terrence Malloy. Help me. Dalek creator. Uh Terry Nation, uh, Terry Nation, yeah. and get the rights to use the Daleks, and they would, ha- and so they would have to continue to do this. And the reason being is because the license for those characters always remained with the creator of the of those. Um, and I think over the course of the years, the, the BBC has has optioned long term licensing with them. But that's what this book has done: is it has gone to the source and said, "We would like to use the names of these. Can you authorize those?" And the estates of these. Uh, uh, two writers have done so, and it's allowed us to get some of the uh, a flavor of what was happening in the wilderness years with, you know, the Auton series, the yeah. Santaran uh, one one shot, the you know all of these different the Cybermen. That's we were getting those because cleverly enough they were able to go get those rights without the BBC having to give them any sort of you know sign off on them. So I also liked how it wound up being actually Alistair who. Under figured out how to defeat them, and was able to execute the plan. Well, we didn't get a lot of man of action, and then he we did, and he was able to save the day completely. Yeah, absolutely. Which to, to me is really in line with the character as well. Yeah, um, especially when we get to battlefield, where he's going to go in and, and do the deed for for the doctor. The doctor ends up sidelining, but it you know he's he knows that he's he's. Well, kind of the like the demons to do when he's fighting to get inside, and once he does, it, yes. he, it, yes. everything gets resolved quickly because he's there. Because <laughs> he comes in and brings the rest of his unit in. Yeah. Um, I like that Gordon I, – I, I, I'll be honest with you guys. I had figured out that the Forgotten Son was going to be Lethbridge Stewart's brother. I, 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 I just – in the lead up to this, it, wa- it wasn't until probably several chapters in when they started talking about the boy and Gordon calling for his mother. And then we got the uh, description of what had happened. The fa- Gordon, his father, had died. Had They had left with his uncle and, and left this place behind. I had sort of wondered if maybe there was a brother that they, neither one of them were remembering. And, of course, it played out. and was explained very well as yeah. to why. It was the intelligence that was keeping the, the memory from him. Um I really, really like the fact that um, the, the brother is the one. What, the intended target for the intelligence was Lethbridge Stewart. He was the one that was supposed to inherit. Was it Mar- Manta Mara? What do you call himself? Maha. Maha, Maha. was supposed to. Which was a nice callback. Was supposed too. to inherit Maha, but Gordon had indirectly gotten in the way, and he and it, it explains that you know it, had his target been hit, it would have been more effective. But he still was able to use. Uh, Alistair's brother in order to yeah exactly which is a great lesson to learn also and a great message to send I I figured out early that well I thought Gordon was his dad which I knew Gordon they made you Gordon was his dad from all the description they made me think it was his dad I had a thought that it was probably the first son was also named after his father and named Gordon and that's why there was some from the confusion from the title I figured there was a son that they were forgetting and they were made references to James and I kind of put the pieces together oh yeah James is 
I had not quite put the pieces together that they were one and the same person. It what really kind of cemented the idea for me was the fact that the when he gets to the pub at first and they are recounting the stories and they said, "Well, we're quite surprised that you're that you're here." Number one, you know, based on what happened after what, yeah, yeah, after what happened, and Alistair's like, "What what happened?" I don't I don't understand. when he couldn't remember. Then immediately I thought, "Okay, this is what it is." Is he's he can't he remember, remember his brother's James, death. He can't yeah. remember his brother at all. And these all, all of these men do remember who this is, and so I had quite figured it out. However, the the book as it goes has a, ni- a lot of nice little surprises, especially with the the flashbacks. Or uh, was the the one guy t- the, the author that was telling the story yeah. about um, their youth and what had happened with with James and how he became so distant once he had touched the. Um, Shadow Man, is that what they call him? Hollow, Hollow Man. Hollow Man, when they do, he touched the Hollow Man. And that they all had, exper- you know, had, had experienced this event that had happened with the Hollow Man. And they were, de- it was, the, the other guys were pretty much in denial. Um, and he was the only way that he, the, uh, I can't, what's the author's name? Uh, the writer that had wrote the books. Ray. The, Ray. The only way that Ray could really kind of, deal with what had happened was to put them in story form and everybody was very proud of the fact that they had a hometown author but wouldn't acknowledge the fact that his stories were really based in reality well and and then the because it's really implied at first that it's probably just the three of them that saw it and then we later learned that the one did other one did too and that was kind of a nice surprise yeah although It seems odd to me that the great intelligence is, I'm, I'm going to hurt Lethbridge Stewart the best way I know how. I'm going to kill his brother and then make him forget that he had a brother. I'm going to strip him of even the, the, the knowledge of it. I think, I think well, the stripping the knowledge was an accident. It was an accident. I got the impression as well. But it because was it, also, it didn't happen until James had died. It was also in that whole deposition of, deposition of what had happened um, – it's also relayed that he had, when he had taken the form, the new form, jumping timelines, he was in his infancy and was weak and was not, would not be Wasn't able strong. to uh, exact his revenge. And so he had to kind of lay in wait. And so. Well, and I also got the impression that. James figured out that something wasn't right and sacrificed That's himself why, to yeah. stop and the when James jumped, it, it was of his own accord. Yeah. It had nothing to do with the... It, the, the intelligence didn't the truly intelligence. kill him. So that weakened him even more so because he wasn't able to... He couldn't it, fight the will. Yeah. Um, the passage that I'm referring to is... Uh, it tries to communicate, explains things to the young soul, calls itself Maha, a name plucked from its ancient memory, Mahasamatamantan. the name of his last human form before he transcended into pure consciousness the young soul gordon cannot understand it only sees things in human terms its mind is too underdeveloped so because he had hit such a young child it was it was hard for him to really fully materialize and then as keith said when james in order to save his brother jumps off that cliff into the uh, jumps off that ravine into the water that weakened the, the great intelligence even more at that point. So the great and all intelligence, they could do at the last second was to pull. Yeah, was to pull the, the memories. memories of. See, it, um, it, in the info dump part where he's um, getting everything from uh, Owain, uh, the intelligence needs to escape, but it also needs revenge. It knows that Gordon should die in 1949, so the soul can be reborn in 1951, which right. is another thing that I was a little iffy about. Was the whole 
souls and reincarnation business, but it was like, yeah, okay, I'll allow it. Uh, it's, it's also part of the great intelligence from yeah. Abominable Snowman. And there's so, the much of, there's so much of it that without seeing the Abominable Snowman, I mean, obviously the book and the uh, reconstructions are there, but without it's not quite the seeing it, it's not quite the same. It's harder to retain it from the reconstruction. Exactly. The first of thousands of rebirths as it evolves to the point where it no longer needs form. But still, vengeance can be had. It will kill Gordon, rob him of ten years. This will cause Alistair much pain. It's not much of a defeat, but it is something. And so it forces Gordon to kill himself, his death freeing oh, the intelligence idea, once yeah. more. But now it's weaker than ever. It retreats into the walls in the nearest building. There in Remington Manor, it becomes the house, but it is unable to reach any of the inhabitants. At best, it can whisper in their ears, taunt them, and drive them mad. Eventually, the family can take it no more and flee. It tries to reach Mary, the mother of Gordon. If it can drive her mad, too, that will be another defeat but it's not strong enough. Mary leaves, takes Alistair with her, but as she moves out of its reach, the intelligence yanks at her memory, tears out everything that was Gordon. It affects Alistair too. The intelligence is content for a while. It is a kind of victory, stealing from them their son and brother. Now maybe oh, I, I... think I think the, that part was why... Okay, killing the brother, maybe they could have come up with a better plan, but he still wasn't had, strong. Well, I, I mean, had, I, I get I that had, it's just he's, he's you know, he's stabbing out in, in anger. I get that part of it. But just the idea that, okay, now that you have killed James, or Gordon, whichever we're going to call him. James. Now that you've killed the brother, removing the memory doesn't seem that... I mean, it would, I, it, would I, hurt, it would hurt more to leave the memory there. Exactly. I can't, be, I can't yeah. be terribly upset over an event I don't remember. Yeah. Even if true. it cut me to the bone and was just the most outrageously emotional rawness imaginable. If I don't remember it, it didn't, might as well not have happened. Yeah. So that part of it, I was kind of like, that's a good point. I had, I, I was with Keith though on the, something gave me the impression that James took his own life, but I had forgotten that it, that it does explain that the, that, that, that was the great intelligence's plan all the time was to kill the brother. Yeah. But, I, I think when James turned to him on the cliff, I don't think he intended to do it. I think he knew yes. it was going to happen and couldn't stop himself. Yes. And that's why he was, you know, kind yeah. of reaching out. Maybe and, that's what I'm thinking of, yeah. is the fact that he couldn't stop it. I thought it was also in this dump that the, the reason that, that I, 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 maybe I'm misremembering this, though, but that it was intended for Alistair, but it, it ended up in James. It did. It did. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I thought yeah, I had remembered there. that correctly. It, it, it James interfered. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. But that's a good so, point. So why, its why, plan why, was... why reach out and, and pull the memories when that, that hurts even worse? Yeah. It emerges in 1937 at first disoriented, weaker than it expects to be, but it has arrived in the right place. Except for here, maybe this, maybe this fixes it because knowing that, that Alistair and his mother were going to leave town, Knowing that he needed another purpose to hurt Alistair, which he does he later, the last chance. He needed he, he needed to back. pull that memory away so that he could bring them back later. Because he does bring Arnold and Mary back to the town, and bring and so in order to to bring Alistair there, and then in fact try to kill Alistair at that time because that's the ultimate and try to gain there. form too. So, but if if you have a memory of your brother dying there and why he died, or or. You may never come back. So it was easier to bring Alistair back by baiting the trap with with Arnold and his mother. And Alistair may have, may have tried a different approach had he come had he come back to save his mother, knowing that there was a tragic loss there. 
it might have changed the events, but having Alistair come back and be completely unknowing of what the danger was in the town, that makes the bait even better because he ha- won't suspect at all yeah. that anything yeah. that's, that's a good point. strange is going on there. And in fact, it wasn't even, he didn't even realize Mary was in the town until he got there. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't he until... Was following... Yeah, he was following Arnold because they had these different sites, which I right. thought that was cool that the... The, the, you well, could, the every time you went by, they, people it, would just tr- like it trying to communicate, yeah. and not being able to. That was really and clever. they would like go in circles, and at one point there's like cattle going in circles. <laughs> you know, it's just that was that was neat. So maybe if that helps, yeah, no, that, gloss that, that, it over that's a little a, that's bit. A, that's a, it would have been easier to beat Alistair. Like back I said to it's, the it's, it's, it's not back it's not a town. complaint at all. It's just because you know, anytime you dealing with a, <laughs> I have a master plan, and the master plan is going to be. The, Anytime you've got one of those moments, you kind of go, okay. But. One thing I really liked about this was, I, okay, this is like the second or third time I've watched Web of Fear. I still don't fully get the intelligence plan, <laughs> uh, other than it's trying to constantly get con- uh, a physical form. This gives me more of a, okay, I understand what the intelligence is doing by yeah. the end of it. Yeah. I think that Web of Fear on this might... Third, maybe fourth time viewing. Ultimately, the the in the web of fear it's trying the, to take the, over London, but I'm not well, entirely no, no. sure why. It, it was it was a trap for the Doctor from the beginning because well, remember yeah, okay. the, the TARDIS yeah. is ensnared in the web. Yeah. It had to create an event in order to make it powerful enough in order to, to snare the Doctor and bring him down into the event. And the ultimate goal of the intelligence was to take over the Doctor's mind, okay? Because that's okay, the corporal yeah. form that he knew would be his the strongest. He would be strongest with because the Doctor's mind is so vast, and so no longer taking over Tibetan monks or uh, you know he met some high spiritual leaders. He felt yeah, he, he found yeah. somebody smarter, and so the web of fear is all one trap in order to trap the Doctor. So the, ultimately, that's yeah. that's what that is. Now. What you just said is true, though. I agree that this really expounds on the character of the great intelligence and gives you more of a rationale for why, in the first place, he was trying to to uh, take corporal form and and bring himself yeah. back, reincarnate. Well, it, it almost gives him gives it new motivation too, instead of yeah. rehashing the same old thing, yeah, which is absolutely. kind of a nice change, also. Absolutely. Well, I think jumping timelines that was a great motivation there. Yeah, seeking revenge. Huge, uh, huge sympathies for, for Staff Sergeant Arnold, whom, you know, I remembered when we started it, and then we watched Web of Fear, and I was like, I really liked him in Web of Fear. He was so awesome. And then I would read more of the book and be like, aw, poor Arnold. Because <laughs> he's, he's technically dead, you know, but he keeps talking about the fact that he's starting to remember things, he's kind of starting to break free, and he's starting this. But they, they made no bones about it. They warn you right up front. He is a reanimated corpse. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's just like, aw. But I, I, I do like the fact that, that, that he's he's regaining his memories because that kind of that kind of has that impression that the, the, the great intelligence doesn't have complete control over Arnold. He's not just a vessel. Right. That that Arnold as 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 he is he's animated the corpse, but he I think they also give the impression that he's sort of healing. When he's like completely burnt to a crisp when he first he he starts to notice that he's he's healing and that he's not as, you know, burnt as he was before. And so the great intelligence for some reason had to somehow allow the tissue to heal and whatnot. But unfortunately, by doing that, I kind of get the impression that Arnold was able to get some of his faculties yeah. back as well. So I kind of like that because I agree. It kind of gave Arnold some uh, 
character in order to start to sympathize with him again because he started remembering what was what had happened. He remembered well, going I mean, I, through the web. I sympathized with him all the way through Web of Fear. Yeah. Until the final reveal that he's been the one that the intelligence has had control Which, and this of. does a nice kind of retcon where the, the Web of Fear doesn't of explaining that he wasn't in control of him the entire time, only since he went into the web. Well, yeah. well from the point that he, they tried to push the cart through the yeah. web. Right. Yeah, that's yeah, but, when he finally but, took but it. But watching he, the web he of killed fear, the you... other guys that were pushing. Yeah. Well, the other guy, because other... Evans wouldn't push yeah, the Evans cart. Yeah, like, see ya, I'm the driver. <laughs> I don't, that's, I'm not driving that. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, so the other guy died, but Arnold disappeared. We didn't know what <laughs> happened because we only the saw the other guy. And yeah, and just watching Web of Fear, you almost get the impression that maybe... Arnold could have been in league with it in the entire time. They kind of allude to it at the end of Web of Fear that oh he was he was under control of the intelligence the whole time yes the whole time and let's just kind of leave it at that. So you know it was like well that kind of sucks. I really liked Arnold and then but he comes back and then so you get that kind yeah, of yeah. It would certainly explain too why he survived the webbing because if yeah. he was already under control then it, it wouldn't have affected him like it did the other but, guy. Um, and I, I liked the. Uh, Expounding upon the the web itself, that it was more like um, brain matter, brain matter, yeah. and and, and uh, yeah. nerve conductivity, yeah. which suddenly retcons right. in my mind a lot of <laughs> well, which is funny because web. watching Web of Fear this time, I kept going, oh, the web is so much better. <laughs> <laughs> no, right. knowing what I know now, the web is so much it, better. It just, it, it and so is the massive foam amount. Yeah, because <laughs> that's the same material essentially. It, it just, it just, it just, it just fixes a lot of, yeah. a lot of little Aren't things. Aren't you glad I forced you to yeah, put that back yeah, on, the schedule, <laughs> on the schedule this time? I really am. Not that you know, I need an excuse to rewatch yeah, well, Web of Fear, but know. it's nice to, it's nice to pair it up with it. So it's nice to have all that kind of fresh in your mind too. Yeah, yeah. But I, um, I didn't the, the whole brother thing. I, I, kind of oblivious to it. Didn't, yeah. didn't get that yeah. all the way up until when they finally said it was your brother, and then I kind of stopped and went. Oh, well, that makes sense. <laughs> you know, I, it wasn't a what? The what moment for me was... Uh, it was J.G. Gordon, because his middle name was Gordon, or J.G. Yeah. Lethbridge Stewart, because the initials were J.G., because yeah, he was James first, Gordon. Yeah. He was named No, he was father, Gordon he, James. Oh, he was Gordon James. You're right, yeah. And they called him James, yes. because his dad was Gordon. Oh, what was it? Right about... Somewhere right about the, the, the um, 150 mark here, right at the halfway point, is when is he's, when he's telling the story. Is that when the reveal is that, oh, wait. No. Yeah, it's it's right. He's, he's explaining, uh, Ray's telling the story about um, the, what happened at the manor. And everything after that, yeah. like so the, 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 uh, uh, Lesbridge Stewart's birthday party, which oh, was I can so heartbreaking. <laughs> I can understand even me, but not James. Like, what's so important about him? But then mom comes home, so there was yeah. that. Uh, I'll tell you what. What was really cool while you're looking at that is is how uh, Ray developed a relationship with Lethbridge, Lethbridge Stewart yeah. through the fact that James became so distant. Because it, you get the impression that Ray and James were just very tight, very close. They were and when the incident and, yeah. at the manor happens and James becomes very isolated and starts talking to Maha. Maha. We can't remember that. It's easy. It's M-A-A-H or M-A-H-A. Um, when he starts talking to Maha, that, that, that the relationship starts to build with uh, um Alistair, and and then almost even, out of 
guilt and necessity too, which yeah. I thought was cool. Is he felt so bad that that James had distanced himself so much from his brother that he felt like he needed to be kind of that surrogate brother. He had to step in and take over where James was lacking. I yeah. like that and then after the accident, stepping up and being a big a brother yeah. to him a lot, yeah. too. or even being a, be- a friend at that point, yeah. best friend at that point. Yeah, it was it was the brother. It's actually on page one fifty when he says, "But I don't have a brother." But you do. He were there. Yeah. So it, it, it was a twofold for me because it was a holy cow. That was a big dun 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 moment. But then I thought about it and was like, well, at, "Yeah, that totally makes sense." That <laughs> at it was first, a- I was I, I kept thinking Alistair was being so resistant. At no, I don't have. He was so being so adamant. No, I don't have a I don't brother. I don't, this couldn't about, possibly yeah. be. Tr- and at first, I thought you're being a little too close-minded about this. And it wasn't until I thought back and thought, well, this the great intelligence would have been his first contact. With an That's alien true. entity, the unfamiliar. And so I could see where even something like the London event wouldn't necessarily be enough to convince him that, yeah, maybe I have been. I mean, when you don't remember something and tell, somebody's telling you that this is what happened, yeah, you and you know. absolutely have no memory of that, because Sean can attest to this, that you just don't, <laughs> <laughs> you just don't believe somebody because it's it seems so... You would Asinine. think you would remember. Yeah, yeah. You, you you would think you remember, it. and 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 the fact that Mary didn't remember either was just yeah. oh heart wrenching because you just think oh you had another son. She remembers her husband. She remembers the death. She remembers him not returning from the war, and it's really sad that she has still has that small ounce of hope that it might be Actually her dead husband returned. or her husband who has returned because they never found the, uh, Gordon's yeah. body. And so it's it's really gut wrenching that you're thinking, oh, she's this is a woman desperate of hope because early on she's not she's not being controlled, but she's very convinced that something's there. And I did like that 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 James was always whisper the intelligence was always whispering in her ear that he even in the beginning when she's at her home yeah. she hears the the, the 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 child talking, and then later when they're talking about after they've left, she even as far back as that would every once in a while have some sort of connection to James or to the, to the intelligence. Yeah, what, what was on the cover that you were so – don't look at the cover. Don't spend any amount of time at the cover. I think it was the Yeti because I think at the time that I said that, you guys had – they hadn't – the Yeti hadn't showed back uh-huh. up yet or hadn't showed up for the first time, mm-hmm. which I thought was interesting that the – oh, and the pyramid too, that the um, uh, – Yeti were were really well developed in this. We get another, another nice reference of they've upgraded it again. Yeah, yeah, well, that's just it because when they when he first starts explaining about the Yeti, we start seeing the Yeti show up in this book, and they're talking about bears and and they, 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 it must be a bear, you know. It's yeah. not, it can't be a, a it can't be a Yeti. It can't be an abominable snowman. But as as the Yeti are kind of unfolding the story of or the the, the, the characterization of the Yeti are exploring. And we realize that they have been upgraded because that's the the cool thing is that these aren't the same in Web of Fear. These aren't the same Yeti yeah. that we had in the Abominable Snowman. They've been upgraded for Web of Fear. And then to take that one more step, and then I absolutely loved the kid, the delinquent kid, not the one that the the, the twins were running with, but the the other kid that his dad was in prison and he oh. he, he came forward with the Molotov <laughs> cocktail idea. Yeah, the pyro kid when he's being. Um, throttled by the one yeti and he actually manages to land the cocktail and it burns all of the hair off and all you yeah. see is the metallic underneath of the really robot cool. i was like that's really really 
a nice visualization for you know what the Yeti would look like without fur. It was just written so well. Yeah. yeah. Terminator style. Yeah. 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 So and and another nice shocking revelation then toward I think it was right after that moment when, when they don't have none the, of them have the control <laughs> sphere control sphere in it. It was like oops. Oh. Was, was the reveal you were thinking of the cemetery reveal after they well the GI must have been in a great intelligence with no way to know it was GJ and then they go to the cemetery because his middle name was James. Was that the review you were thinking of? No, I think I think it was just just, just, just the, the fact that there, there was his brother. Yeah, um, because it's not. I, I I did not and I didn't see it coming. I didn't anticipate that that's the well, direction that's they go with. That's good. Yeah. It didn't ruin Forgotten anything for me that I had figured that out because I thought that it was written in such a, a magnificent way that it, it really. I mean, for me, Forgotten Son almost could have very easily been um, a reference to either of the. Um, Twins, George's kids, yeah. yeah, George's kids, or the troublemaker from London, yeah, or even the fact that it's implied that uh, Lethbridge Stewart and his mom don't necessarily have a, a very the, close, the, relationship. close relationship, yeah. and so I because you, know. you get the impression he very rarely visits his mother, yeah, and he even They're laments the fact that, that, fact that he doesn't, that he, doesn't, that he yeah. hasn't sent, you know, visit her as much as maybe she should, yeah. So I, I could have gone any one of those directions with this particular title and not. Yeah. batted an eye at it but then when all of a sudden this brother seemingly came out of left field i was like what but well yeah that makes sense because of the trail of breadcrumbs that were there that yeah. i just hadn't noticed and then they just reinforced it as they went that yeah this is here this is here this is here this is here and like you i kind of had the same problem with him being so dismissive of it yeah dismissive is a good word um but I had the same realization. It's like, well, you're not you're not to the point yet. Chap with yeah. the, the wings is not a <laughs> normal everyday well, occurrence also a bit, for you. A bit so jarring, considering how acceptive he is of everything in the London Underground. That's true. He and and, and that's something we talked about when we were very open minded. Is that yes. very open minded about it? When the the doctor is explaining and the and the one uh, was it a captain is very. Okay, come on. Machine, yeah, whatever. are you kidding? Yeah. And, and he's like, listen, let's listen, let's hear him out. We all, so what What will we need to do to get this craft of yours? And he even calls it a craft. I mean, he doesn't, yeah. say, he doesn't say box. He doesn't say, because yeah. he even, he's even, the doctor's even already divulged the fact that it looks like a police box. He still says, what if we were to get this craft for you? What could we do with it? And I was, I, that was just, watching that again this time in that light, I was like, oh, man, the, the brig. Was very open minded at that time. Now I think I made a comment on Friday Night Who that this is the brig before the 1970s brig when when he was quite often very dismissive in a few stories with the Third Doctor because while you still got the relationship that he that I think he completely trusted the Doctor at many times there were a lot of times that he was very dismissive with things the Doctor would say yeah and it always that always felt like. Especially now, seeing Web of Fear felt very contrasting as far as that character goes. But later on, I think he got we got that back where the the brig was a lot more open minded to a lot of things. Yeah, I wonder if there's going to be some stories in this where it shows why he's so skeptical. Like there's several like they could do several stories where they think they're going up against alien intelligence and it's not. Yeah. And that could, could easily fix a, the, the shift between the two stories. Could be. Well, and part of it too is just, you know, the, the, the 
writing necessity that once they yeah. exiled oh, the Doctor yeah. to Earth and we decide that we're going to bring Unit in, you got to have an naysayer. You have to have you have to have that combative relationship between the two because while you can't just if the Brigadier had gone along with everything the Doctor said, you wouldn't have had that conflict that was necessary sometimes right. in those stories. And so yeah. Sean's right because obviously the, the companion's not necessarily going to be the one. Maybe maybe initially. Liz is going to kind of be and Liz ah, was a bit just you know and she was combative but and then when you replace her with Joe skeptical. I mean the, the companion is is not there to be skeptical of the doctor mm-hmm. the companion is there to go oh wow what do you mean yeah. doctor right and translate this for the audience but you needed somebody to go ah, really I don't know about that it's true I'm quite convinced that's why they brought Sarah Jane in because being that analytical journalist she was often questioning oh, the yeah. doctor and. Because of that, because she coming off of Joe, who was very accepting of the doctor's whatever the doctor said, it was probably right. Yeah, we're getting off point. Um, <laughs> no, I uh, nothing but good things to say about this book. I'm very excited for the rest of the series. Um, unfortunately, they are different authors for each of the books, but I think uh, this gentleman has laid the groundwork. Well, and he's also the series. He's overseeing editor, editor. editor. Yeah. so he, yeah. he kind of is going to have final say, I believe, right. in everything that comes up with. So. I, my hope, or maybe has already planned it out. My hope is is that they have they've outlined this out and said this is where we want to go with it. Now each author is able to tell a story within sort of the confines of that outline, and, but give it its, uh, their own impression and character and, and, and their own imprint, their own flavor. <laughs> yeah. it, it's certainly a. a a jump up from where I think maybe I would have come down on, obviously, prior to reading it. Oh, we're going to do a series of books about Alistair Gordon. Okay. We'll see. You know, and you just kind of approach it with that attitude. Eh, could be something good. Could be something bad. And the cover's kind of, I don't know, almost blasé. It, it's a it, very... You know what it, the, what it reminds me of, though? And I actually am very appreciative of it. It reminds me of some of the old Target novels. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was it struck by, really too. It really has that, that feel. And so I was actually quite grateful for that. While I agree, it is just kind of a plain cover. It just it, it kind of reaches back to that nostalgia of the old... Uh, the, the, the particularly old ones, the, the ones in the 19... They were producing in the 1980s and 90s. Yeah. Had some photographic art on them and... It was like, you just took that still from the <laughs> show. Well, the cover even references from the classic series or whatever. Yeah. Yes. But, uh, you know, another example of judging a book by its cover, and then you get into it and you go, okay, this was really, yeah. Yeah. really well done. And yeah. it makes me now excited to see where they're going with it. So hopefully you're right. Hopefully the rest of them will be as good. Indeed. And All we right. hope that uh, if you uh, were, were following along with your homework assignment at home and, and got to Goodreads, that uh, you can obviously I, – I haven't got my review posted, so you've just heard it. But I will yeah. I will get a review put up on Goodreads uh, for everybody, and I hope that uh, our followers of the book club do as well. I hope so, too. Um, we didn't get a lot of feedback this week, so fortunately there's still a lot of opportunity to give Lots your feedback in uh, the Goodreads post. If you're able to get to this, I don't know how long they leave those threads open. I think Chrissy had determined a while back that she would leave them open a week or so, just so those people that were finishing it up at the end of the month, and maybe the, with to, the, you know the Fourth of July and everything, yeah, just yeah. coming and at so, the, on the heels of um, it. If you, I mean, you certainly can send it here. We'll read it, you know, next week Absolutely. or the week after or whatever. But if you, you, you know, you, there's still some opportunities for avenues to put a review out there. Anybody else has read it, you know, Goodreads is a good spot to to chime in. Well, next week, uh, moving on to the schedule. You uh, you've got a light week. 
because we're going to talk. Uh, Glenn's going to sit back with a, a cup of tea and uh, put his feet up, and Keith and I will regale him from stories of British Fest, which is going on next weekend in Council Bluffs, Iowa, uh, which is right next door to Omaha, Nebraska. So if you're in the area, come on down. Come see us. We will be there. Simon Fisher Becker, friend of the show, will be there. You can literally walk from Omaha to Council Bluffs. There's a bridge. Yep, there is a bridge. I've been on it. I've stood in both states. <laughs> um, Adrian Paul is going to be there. And, uh, of course, a bevy of Daleks and costumes and uh, uh, second, uh, Doctor second Doctor Impersonator, Bill Howard. Is that his name? I think so. Uh, we'll TARDIS Console. TARDIS Console, K9, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So plenty of Doctor Who and then more British stuff than you can stick, stick at if you're a fan of Harry Potter or James Bond or any of those other things. So please come on down. Lord of the Rings. See us for that. Um, because of the con... Friday Night Who this week will not be happening on Friday. It will be on Saturday. It is a special Saturday edition of Friday Night Who. Uh, and what, 10? Was that the time that yeah, uh, we got 10, targeted? Uh, 10 10 Saturday, 10 p.m. Eastern, 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 Eastern Daylight Time. I'm sorry. Time. Central. Central Daylight Time. Central Daylight Time. Yeah, I don't know right. why I said Eastern. Where did I get Eastern from? Did you say Eastern? I said Eastern. Maybe you I don't planted know why. that in my head. He's excited for Easter Saturday. I am. Because <laughs> it's Eastern. Eastern Daylight Time. Central. 10 p.m. It's Central Daylight Time. <laughs> Eastern now, Daylight Time really is wrong. confused everybody. Next wait, Saturday at 10. 11, 11 p.m. Eastern, 10 p.m. Central. That's what they always say on the TV show. They used know. to. They don't they anymore. Know, they don't do anymore. Um, but, uh, and uh, we, we don't know that uh, Simon Fischenbecker will stop in and, and offer his two cents worth, but there's nothing that says he won't. So You never know. You never know. So be sure you're following Simon on Twitter just in case. <laughs> just in case. <laughs> just in case. Or the three of us, because if he doesn't tweet and just says, th- comes in and says stuff. You will we'll relay tweet. the information. We may attempt to do a video thing. I don't know. Um, but um, we're doing Good Man Goes to War. Of course, I don't know if I said that, but if uh, we have just Simon Fisher Becker's there, we've got to do Good Man Goes to War. So we're going to do Good Man Goes to War. Uh, and then uh, the following week is Ghost Light, where we return to our Friday Night at Midnight uh, uh, schedule. Yay! Uh, and um, that means you've got two weeks to review the big finish stories that we'll be doing. Because we've already reviewed Ghost Light here on the program, but we're setting up Ghost Light. Or more accurately, Ghost Light sets up uh, our ACE discussion. Um, uh, Keith and I have attempted, <laughs> we will be attempting to read Mark Platt's novelization of Ghost Light as well between now and then, hopefully to. Lend a little insight. I said I was going to do that too, didn't I? I think we have three weeks though, because that's a Friday night. Who we're not actually doing the Ace trilogy for yeah. a few more weeks. Yeah, so no, we you've got to because right the, the actual culmination yeah. of the Ace trilogy is actually the end of July. Yeah. So right. you've got a yeah. full, full month if you would like to. Uh, if you'd like to read along with us, please. but specifically two weeks for the two big finished audios that we'll be reviewing yes. that week, which are uh, number fifty-nine, "The Roof of the World," and number sixty-nine, "Three's a Crowd," and those are Peter Davison stories. So there is that, and of course the rest of the schedule is posted on our website, and you can find us on Facebook and Twitter and uh, all those other lovely and sundry places. Social media. And Patreon. And Patreon. Yes. Please support us on Patreon. Thank you for those that have, and uh, it's just an update. It's not a, <laughs> it's not a pledge change. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I thought you were looking for that email. That no, 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 no. It's no, just no. an update. Um, no, but I was also going to mention the... Uh, the Amazon store. Oh, yeah. The Amazon store. Or our Spreadshirt show, store. 
Yeah, I'm still working on that link. So, how long did it take your shirt to come in that you ordered? Pretty quick, a lot quicker than I thought. Because I still haven't ordered mine. I really need I to do know. that. Oh, I don't know if it'll week. come in that quick. Um, I, I really need to do that for this. I week. ordered mine. I think about a week before Planet uh, Planet Comic Con and got it really quick, like okay. in three or four days. So, but yeah. I would do it tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 or oh. tonight even before oh. you go to bed. Okay. So it's there, bright and early, sitting on Spreadshirt's desk. <laughs> at 8 a.m. Monday morning. You know what I'm going to do? i got to get that out. As as with all of you at home listening to this broadcast, as soon as I get done recording this broadcast, I'm going to go onto our Spreadshirt site and order a T-shirt that says <laughs> Traveling the Vortex on it. That's what I'm going to do. You should, too. All right. Anything else? I don't think so. No, right. so. That's going to do it for this week. Until next week, I'm Glenn. I'm Sean. I'm Keith. Cheers. Good night, everybody. Be seeing you. You have been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied.